We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. What's up, everybody? This is Cal Dansby, and I want to thank you guys for tuning in to a very special episode of the Corner Podcast. Right now, Andreas Hale and I are running around Las Vegas preparing for UFC 194, so we decided to bring you guys a collection of our best segments from 2015. Yes, you'll hear all the goddamn Mikel moments, all of the knowledge we drop on you, and some great interviews. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the best of the Corner Podcast. Hey, what's up, Virgil, man? Thanks for joining us. Well, it's time when you need a helping hand. And it's all about that. Look at this. Look at that sound, is, right? Hey, that's how you make an introduction right there. That's, that's, that's fuck money, baby. You hear? <laughs> yeah, uh, man. What's up, homie? What's up, what's up? Thanks for joining us. We, we're going to get started right away, man. You got to tell us about this NWO story and uh, how Ted Turner wanted you to be the third member of the NWO. You know, it, it kind of seemed a little out of place to a lot of wrestling fans. Why you? Why Virgil? Uh, the, the head of the, the WCW was Ted Turner. So he had me on a Learjet coming out of Tokyo, Japan. He said, Virgil, I want you to be a part of the NWO. 
the part would be the lead member. So I couldn't be the lead member of what I was thinking. I said, why not be a cool cool brother and give it to Hulkster? Let him be the lead. And you gave it to Hulk, and, you know, obviously the rest is history. They ran with it, and Hulk is the lead of NWO. What was your relationship with, with Hulk? Like, why'd you just, you know, serve that up to him? Y'all, like, close? I was, a, I was a technical collegiate wrestler, man. I didn't need that, you mean? So why not take care of your, your homies, you mean? Give it to my man. <laughs> Virgil, it's Andreas. Uh, but what, if you were the leader of the NWO, what would it have done for your career? I am the leader of the NWO. Oh. Okay, so you just did him a solid, like, like Hulk needed it more than you, is what you're saying. That's not wrong okay. with that. It's all for the fuck money. All right, Virgil, you got to tell me what this fuck money is. What, 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 t- talk about, hey. where does this come from? Hey. Oh, shit. Talk about what? The, the fuck money. Where'd that come from? Fuck money. Where do you think it came from? It had to come from you, right? When I have an Olive Garden connected right to my house. I can walk out the back door right in the Olive Garden. Soup, salad, and breadsticks. All right. Guess, what, guess who all works there? Who? They're all two and a half foot midgets. I got to go to this Olive Garden, They wear little, little G-strings around serving spaghetti with meat sauce. Oh, Virgil, you got all of that fourteen and a half. Yo, my co-host loves midgets and dwarves. He loves them. There are some sexy ones out there. But these midgets and dwarves got that that meat sauce over that fourteen and a half. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You you got an interesting Olive Garden going on over there. Right, I got all the ages helping with my calculation. Interesting. I guess you're implying that Asians are good at math. All right. <laughs> Yo, you got to tell us about your theory that all white chicks look the same. Yeah, but, but that, that fuck money can make me play anything I want to play. I believe like a hokey pokey. And turn yourself around. Goddamn, Virgil. <laughs> Yo, so, so where'd you get the whole... You like that goddamn hokey pokey, don't you? Hey, it's, it's fire right there. Where'd you get the whole white chicks all look the same theory from? Hey, all white chicks about the same. I mean, I ran through all of them in the Playboy. You know what I mean? They were dancing all over that 14 and a half. Tell us, how would you hook I up had, with the whole Playboy calendar, Virgil? Was it about the money? I guess I had, seven, I had sex about 1,700 of them. 1,700 of them? Yeah, that's one year. One year? You're a busy man. Yeah. You fuck a lot. Hey, when you, hey, when you got 14 and a half, get, the word gets around about you. Apparently. You know, they had to get in line. <laughs> you, know, you know he wasn't the one getting in line? Like a cafeteria, a menu, I'm on the front of a menu. Like a dicketeria. <laughs> dicketeria. For the long dog. For a hot, hot dog. Virgil, this is amazing. Um, <laughs> who is the baddest Playboy model that you... you pay me? What? Are you ready to pay me? Pay uh, how much you want? Come on, talk up, goddammit! I got a bitch ass. <laughs> I, I I don't understand. Hey, I get paid. You get that money, Virgil. You get that <laughs> money. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, so so quick question. Want to see some money soon or what? Yeah, you you're all about that money. Do you still walk around with the million dollar belt? 
I can walk around with any kind of belt. You're going to put that fuck money up, okay? I heard there's a GoFundMe for your million dollars to get you to a mill. Go hey. fund Virgil. That's all you do. You can send anywhere from like a couple hundred to a couple thousand. How is that going so far? Pardon me? Where are you on your goal to a million dollars? Are people uh, donating money? Hey, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon, man. It's and you got to help the marathon. Okay? You be a part of the marathon. We're, we're going to tell our listeners to be a part of the marathon. Okay. No, I'm just like Martin Luther King. I got a dream. And that dream's to make a million dollars. Don't you have a dream? I know what you're dreaming of. What? <laughs> All that fuck money, Virgil. Goddamn, that's what we dreaming of? No, that's what Cap Rosen went Virgil, you are amazing. Uh, what is your relationship with the Young Bucks? I got to switch it up real quick. Talk some wrestling. I'm the trainer, the coach, their aspirations. Whatever they're doing, it's me helping. You taught them I'm all the their moves? Huh? You taught them all their moves? A lot of them. A lot of them. So the architect of the Young Bucks is Virgil. Yeah. You're the man behind the scenes. I'm the coach. I'm the, I'm the coach. I like that. I like that. I teach him the fuck money way. <laughs> Yo, Virgil, it seems like you're, you're the man behind the scenes of a lot of big movements in wrestling. Why do you think you don't get the credit you're supposed to get? Why isn't Virgil in the Hall of Fame? Well, it, it couldn't it could happen. Maybe I'm black. But well, you are I black. Don't, I don't put that nothing, man. I'm just a light chocolate, hot chocolate. I'm, I'm fuck money chocolate. Wait, do you think it's because you're black that you didn't get in the Hall of Fame? Hey, I got some sweet ass t-shirts. Are you gonna put some some money on them and get some? I didn't even what? Um, what's the t-shirt say? It said Ruffin Superstar Virgil with goddamn stars all over. Oh shit, I like stars. Now, you you look good in that damn t-shirt. That's some good merch you got there, Virgil. I ain't gonna lie. Uh, do what? Where where do we find this t-shirt? Where where do people purchase this t-shirt at? Pro Wrestling Tees. Oh, I go to Pro yeah, Wrestling Tees all the time. I got to get this shirt. Represent for Virgil. Well, go get about four or five of them. Shit. Oh, shit. Wait. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, We're just sure. spending money. Yeah. <laughs> and then I can, I can autograph it for you. We heard you're heavy um, in the Comic-Con scene. I dabble in it. You dabble? Uh, where are you at this latest Comic-Con? Well, I'm getting to the rap game now, so, you know, what the hell? Wait, what? You're, you're going to be an I'm MC, fuck- Virgil? No, no. I'm coming up with a new fuck money song. Give me that money. Give me that money. I think you can ghost right for Drake. You hear that fuck buddy song? Oh, I, yeah. think, I think you got it. Virgil, who do you think... Who did you think won the beef? Drake or Meek Mill? Who do you got in this, Virgil? No. I believe it. I believe it. Drake or Meek Mill? Who you got? Drake's cool, man. Real cool. So, so you think he got Meek Mill in this beef? Have you been keeping up with the beef? Meek, Meek is a Jabro or Jabroni. Jabroni. I like that. Hey, you you say it, then it's true. Meek Mill is a Jabroni. Thank you. You're Team Drake. We believe it. Are we done? Well, we- last question for you, Virgil. I mean, 
you know, you, you you came up under the Million Dollar Man. Do you still talk to Ted? Have you talked to Ted DiBiase? He's one of my best friends. I love him. I love the guy. He's a great guy. Did you get a lot of shit from people who said that you were, you know, being a, a slave or Uncle Tom to him? Did you get a lot of shit from people? Uh, you ever seen a slave of 14 inches? Um, no. I just, that's like dragging two guys on the ground. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> And I want to I want to I want to pitch a tune out to my right hand man, with Pipe, Rowdy Piper. Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, we talked a little family, bit about Rowdy already. His family, all my condolences, man. Definitely. That's one of my right hand partners, man. Yeah, he's one of the best I've ever. Been a guy forever, man. Forever, forever. Yeah, and uh, you know we've seen you come out he's and be outspoken about. The only guy ever. What? He was the only guy ever to make me dress up like a girl. Remember? <laughs> yeah, I do. What what's your big your best memory of Roddy Piper? Huh? What's your best memory of Roddy Piper? Uh WrestleMania in LA. Um I'm almost bringing tears in my eyes now, man. Um when when Piper said, uh, come on Virgil, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. You mean like You can do it, I'm Virgil. At him, but he believes in me, man. Man, you get you get me all goddamn water eyes and that, man. I'm sorry, Virgil. See, we got to talk about a legend, man, from one legend to another. Speak on that. Yeah, but he's a, he's a real cool guy, man. He was a, a great friend, man. A great friend. Yeah, man. Thanks for joining us. You know, we had a blast. Uh, tell everyone where they can find your stuff, man. We're trying to support the movement here. Yeah, support the movement, man. And get them damn shirts. Get the shirt, ProWrestlingTees.com. Get, get that fuck money, you'll get one of them damn shirts. And then... You can go out and get laid. Yeah. And buy my autographs and put them, put them, them t-shirts after you you you, buy, you pay for them on a big fat black girl. Got All it. All right. I want I want to make follow sure. Follow me on Twitter, okay? Yeah. We'll follow you. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Virgil. What? Thanks for joining us, man. You you made our day. All right. Thank you. What the fuck just happened? Holy shit. It's been a few months since that Virgil interview, and I still don't know what the hell he's talking about. That's definitely one of the craziest moments on the Corner Podcast this year, and I'm sure you guys are going to request hearing it a ton more times moving forward in the future. But next, we got to bring you one of our best pound-for-pound lists so far, and it featured our top five boxers of all time and the very first goddamn Mikel moment. Let's go, pound-for-pound list. Best fighters are our best fighters. Okay. Ever. Top five. I'll start it off. Yeah, you start. So, I'm going to go five to one. Alright. Building suspense. Ha, ha, ha. Look at that. I'm learning already. Look at the podcast tricks. So, five, I got Mayweather. Okay. Told you he's in my top ten. He's in my top five. He is number five right now without beating Manny Pacquiao. Number four, Rocky Marciano. What? Undefeated, my man. So what? Undefeated. Oh, my... Jesus. You carry a zero, you hold weight. What are you doing? You're killing Listen. me. We're going to have to... Yo, can't, yeah. Can't my <laughs> Three. Sugar Ray Leonard. Just personally, I think he's one of the most skilled boxers ever. He fought in probably the toughest division in boxing. He had a lot of good opponents. Two. Cassius Clay. His mama named him Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. Number two. All right. Number one, Sugar Ray Robinson, 
even though the film is grainy and it's like watching Babe Ruth, there's no one better with a combination of speed, hand speed, agility, punching power. He had it all. He had the total combination and package. That's five through one. Let's hear your list since you're just over here just how, utterly disgusted. How do you have Rocky Marciano on this list? Undefeated. So what? Joe Calzaghe retired undefeated. That is very true. How do you have Rocky Marciano on this list? Undefeated. And it's not It's not even Calzaghe, come on. I mean, we obviously saw that. But giving respect to your elders, right? You just, you just bash Floyd for doing this. And I'm providing respect for my elders. That's like saying, yo, I can't have Babe Ruth in my top five baseball players. But you don't have Jack he's Johnson. fat or, and white. You don't have like, Jack so Johnson what? or Joe Lewis on your list, but you have Rocky Marciano? Joe Lewis was six. Oh, my God. Rocky Marciano only defended his title six times before he retired. Okay. Do you need more? He retired undefeated. Joe it's Calzaghe a different retired time. undefeated. He's not on your list. Give me your list. All right. I'm just starting at one. Sugar Ray Robinson's number one. Sugar Ray Robinson's number one. Easy. Clear cut. The man, the man fought damn near 200 times. Uh, he, he lost to uh, Jake LaMotta in his 41st fight, and then he reeled off 91 wins in a row. Insane. It's a different time. You know, the guy fought like three times a month. So I can see how you, you can accumulate that. Ali, number two. Obviously, with the three years taken away from being suspended from the sport, we never got to see Ali truly in his prime. And he went in there with a prime Joe Frazier. And gave him hell for 15 rounds. Yeah. So there's no doubt about it that Ali's number two. I mean, beating George Foreman, beating Sonny Liston as young as he was, beating the shit out of Floyd Patterson. The things that Ali did, the only thing that Ali never did, if you ever watch his fights, he never went to the body. If you ever watch an Ali fight, pay close attention. He doesn't go to the body. Nah, not like consistent. No, he he doesn't go to the body. At all. Watch his fight. He hardly ever goes to the body. He has a long jab and he puts his punches together, but he rarely goes to the body. Um, Number three. Three. You know, there's, there's, you got like Roberto Duran, perhaps there's this. Duran probably should have made my top five. It was close. I was thinking about Duran. Duran at lightweight was a murderer. Um, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to put him at one to three because there's also Henry Armstrong, who was the the, the, uh, division crusher before there was Manny Pacquiao. Um, But I didn't see a lot of Henry Armstrong. I watched a lot of Roberto Duran. Uh, Roberto Duran at 135 was one of the baddest people I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, definitely. uh, he's there. I just don't know if he's number three. Um, who are we missing here? I got to go with Sugar Ray Leonard. Very Floyd-like because a lot of people forget that Sugar Ray Leonard kind of handpicked his opponents as well. Yeah, a, a um, little bit. I he think. didn't fight Hagler until he felt like fighting Hagler. And when he had the opportunity to give him a rematch, he just didn't want to. Uh, and there were other fights that Leonard had where he got kind of took guys out of their prime. Or... Just at different times in their career, so it looks Leonard's great there. in hindsight, and yeah. that's my thing about Floyd. Like you, you know, you catch a Canelo early. If Canelo ends up being De La Hoya, it's going to be great on the resume. But you didn't fight prime Canelo. You right. didn't fight prime De La Hoya necessarily. You didn't fight like prime Mosley. Yeah. So I mean, it looks great in retrospect. Yeah. So and then there's Joe Lewis. I mean, Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis and Jack Johnson almost tied. Jack Johnson. Obviously, times have changed. He couldn't fight that style today. He get beat up. But back then, he's beating the shit out of everybody. And he was taking their women. He's taking all their white women <laughs> in his Cadillac. <laughs> and and, and that, I mean, Jack John, if you watch Unforgivable Blackness, which is an amazing documentary, it's just you look at what he was doing to guys, and he was just beating the hell out of them. So they're like A and B. Floyd falls outside of that list and out of the top five because his resume just doesn't hold up. 
He didn't he, the 147 division. I mean, he fought Diego Corrales. Great. He fought Cotto at his prime. Someone. All right. Cotto got dogged by Pacquiao and Margarito, which is never the same fighter. Um, same with Mosley. So it's like, you know, you look at his resume and you compare it to a Roberto Duran or a Tommy Hearns or Sugar Ray Leonard or a Marvin Hagler. It's not the same. Hagler was almost. Listen, my top 10 is crowded right now. I mean, Hagler, Hagler if he didn't retire, if he would have beat Leonard, he could have retired undefeated. Hagler was. I mean, well, shoot, he lost early fight, but Hagler was one of the baddest men to ever. Yo, listen yeah, on. yeah, he just was pissed and salty that he lost to Leonard. <laughs> and I would have been salty too if you watched the fight as close as it was. You see things that Leonard was doing; it would upset you. So yeah, I mean, that's my top five. I don't know if that was like a real. Yo, top our top five. five has almost everything the same. Not Rocky Marciano. You Besides that, one person, get that dude the hell out of here. Undefeated. So Joe Lewis and Jack Johnson are better heavyweights. George, Joe Lewis is is nasty. I'll George give you that. George would have beat the shit out of Rocky Marciano. Ooh, I, I listen once again. We're pairing fights that we can never see. Yeah, undefeated. I don't care. That's one hell of a thing to have on your resume. I don't care. <laughs> Damn it, let's talk about last week's fight. Every episode fights. It never fails. You say some shit that I gotta go home and then be like, I gotta listen to this. This, oh my god, you're my co-host, man. Yo, you better love this. I, I'm spitting knowledge right now. You are be- the hot fire. You are becoming the Skip Bayless of the show. I am not. This, don't. Don't don't go there. Like, come on, man. You know how I feel about Skip. I'm not Skip Bayless of the show. The man is undefeated. Undefeated. You're still going to keep trying this. Yo, and and I understand there's some better boxers technically. There's a lot of them. Duran probably could have got his spot. Easy. On my list. Hardest hands probably ever. Hands of stone. Could have been in there. Nah. I mean, undefeated. Want me me to make you feel better? No. I, I'll put him at five. Floyd can have four. He doesn't belong he can in the five. top ten, man. <laughs> so that was the birth of the goddamn Kell movement. I still stand by my statement. My top five is my top five. Andreas is never going to let me live that down. So moving forward, we we're coming up on Mayweather weekend. We had a lot of special episodes. We were broadcasting live from the MGM Grand at Rouge Lounge. It was a great weekend for us, the podcast, and for boxing fans everywhere. And we invited on... Jamila, aka the GoFundMe girl, to tell her story and how she raised money to come to the Mayweather fight. And it'll be one of the best interviews we've done. So listen to it right now. All right, all right. We have the lovely. Introduce up, girl. <laughs> yeah, don't be shy. There ain't no shyness on this podcast. I'm not shy. My name is Jamila, aka Ja, the GoFundMe girl. Hey. That's who it is. That's, <laughs> that's who it is. Okay, so before we even get going, Tell the story about what happened. And then I'll tell the story because I've known you before all of this. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and talk about it a little bit. Well, I mean, I, I saw, listen, I saw the guy make $55,000 off of potato salad. So I said, listen, if he can make $55,000, I can make a couple coins too. Let me just see what I get. And it was just like an experiment. I was just curious. I have a really supportive, like, Facebook network, and they always look out. I can ask somebody, hey, I need my lawn mowed. And somebody be like, I'll do it. So I said, why not? Let me just, let me just Yo, try it. Yo, life is so and, nice. <laughs> and, let me just see what happens. And I started getting a you know, couple donations. And it just it went viral. I, I when did you know that, like, yo, it's real? Like, I'm starting to get real money off of this. Did you just wake up and be like, 
Look how much dough I got. No, no, I did. I just woke up one day and I was like, wait a minute. What is go-? My phone was going crazy. And, and it was all because Charlemagne retweeted it and tried to clown me. And it just went crazy. It literally, like, my phone was going off the hook and it, it was just, it just went viral. I, I didn't expect it to go viral that fast. But it just, it just kind of went crazy. Better question. When did it go bad? Because then it, 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 it seemed like this shit went just completely south all of a sudden. It went, it was good and bad at the same time. Free money's as, never bad. No, as soon, no. It, exactly. As soon as it went good, it went bad. As soon as it went viral, like, I got, I, I, I really got death threats. Like, people were like, when you're in Vegas, watch your back. Wait, are they here? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm watching. <laughs> we gotta my back. watch our back. We ain't got no glass in this. <laughs> like, it got crazy. Like, Shit I, like the president got to get bulletproof glass people with Jamila. Really, was mad, and it's like, why are you so mad? I don't get it. Yo, who donated the most money, or is it like secret donations, or has someone just come well, through and was like, yo, hold this. No. <laughs> I want to see you flourish in Vegas no, for listen, fight weekend. Listen, GoFundMe, you can donate anonymously, so the viewers can't see who it is, but I can see who it is. So it, I had one donor, everyone I knew, everyone that donated, I knew, I met them before. They're, you know, people, one donor donated 800. I never met him before, never seen him before. He never tried to, like, talk to me after it. Like, he was a... That's it? He was a Ravens player. Oh, okay. Oh, and, and, well. And, and you know what he said? When he, when he donated, he emailed me. He said, listen, I saw all the hate you got, and I just wanted to help out. Said, That's oh. like shoot your shot number one rule right there. Like, you know, I don't, I don't want anything back. I'm just trying to help you out, baby girl. And you know he's here somewhere. No, he's like, not. Like, he's just chilling. He's, he's going to Vegas. He's a married man, number one. Which Wait, really what? Means, this is the NFL, which, by the way. This, this shit the is the NFL. Yo, Yo. Does his wife know about this donation? Like, he, I would, he's really married. I would never expose him because he looked out. I would never expose him. No, of course but not. But he never, he never came on to me. And see y'all laughing. I'm sorry. He's your Mr. Big. It's like sex and see he's your Mr. Big. We got your Mr. Big. No, he he looked out. He never came on to me and tried to talk to me. Like he was a really like he really did it just genuinely. The kindness of his heart. Yes. Okay, so wait. I I said, listen, are you going to be in Vegas? Like I was confused. Like he said, no. I just I saw the hate and I just wanted to look out. I said, oh. All right. Okay, so here's the thing. Like, a lot of people knew you from that, but I've known you before that. Mm-hmm. Back when I worked at BET. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's another it, story in itself. But people don't know, like, you're an author. I'm an author, You're yes. a working girl. You I'm, wasn't just out here just trying to get handouts. And, that, and that's what made me so mad because people attacked me so hard. Like, oh, she's broke. Oh, she can't afford to go. She don't need to go. No, listen, I'm a hustler. I hustle people for money for a living. I work at a strip club. I do bottle service. So that's my that's how I make money. Like I I make money from other people. Taking people's money. Outside of that, I have a full-time job, 9 to 5. I have a degree in journalism. I work 60 hours a week. I I work. And I wrote two books. And I, and I hustle my books. I sell my books. I'm trying to write a movie. Like, I'm not some bum bitch that just... Listen, I, I've been to the last four Mayweather fights. I know. I've seen you. So, <laughs> so it's not like... You know what I mean? Like, I'm not just this girl they made me out to be. But people who don't know me are, of course, going to say that. Like, that, that, that's what it is. And I accept it. Like, at first, I was, like, trying to attack every person that 
I'm not used to getting that attention. So people was commenting. I'm commenting back like, fuck you. I'm not pro boo. <laughs> I couldn't help it. But at this point, I'm just like, I know what I have. I know my net worth. I'm cool. But you, I'm, I'm comfortable. But you also transition your GoFundMe into something else for a cause. Yes. Talk about and, that. And that's, and that's what's really crazy because people got so mad about it. Before I did my GoFundMe, I posted my friend from high school. She has cancer. She had breast cancer. And before I even did my GoFundMe, I posted hers on my page. Did anybody donate? Of course not. Mm. Nobody donated. I posted it on my page because I know that, like I said, my Facebook is really supportive. So I posted it. No one donated. When I did my GoFundMe, her brother, who I used to babysit when way back, her brother contacted me and said, hey, listen, can you, um, you know, post my sister's GoFundMe? I see you're getting all this, this shine from yours. Sure, of course. I haven't talked to her since high school. I found out she had cancer through Facebook. But we was cool in high school. I used to babysit her little brothers. Of course I would post it. So I posted it. And of course, social media and the haters went crazy. Oh, you need to give her all of your money and blah, blah, blah. Listen, my network is different from her network. Like, my network is very supportive. Like, they supported me. And it's people that I knew. I didn't, I didn't do the GoFundMe expecting, like, strangers to donate. I did it expecting, like, my my network to donate so long story short her her people they started to donate once i promoted it and and it sucks because that's just a society that we have like it, it is what it is i gave her the proceeds i gave her anything after the 15 the 1500 that i asked for i gave it to her yo how'd you come up with that number 1500 because this is mayweather weekend it seemed a little bit low for yeah. a number at I mean, 1500, you, you must got your own paper because that's that's well, like I, I've already one said way I have trip. My own paper, but <laughs> I came up with 15 just because normally I only spend literally 500 out here when I come out here because I'm a female. I don't have to spend money. Of, of course, of course. I don't have to spend money, so I said, all right, flight in a hotel, a thousand maybe, 500 extra spending, 1500. I just guess the random number and to be clear a lot of people on twitter they've been talking when the article came out and you know when you went viral and stuff people uh -huh. were talking like yo you're gonna fit eight girls in one bedroom for fifteen hundred dollars she's not here with eight girls slander she got her own bed you Good. did vegas right i'm here with one girl just a friend my friend Chilling. right here my girlfriend's ava hey boo we were doing shit <laughs> yeah no i don't need eight girls in a room like that's that's what i was on instagram like Going, my, my thumbs was going sore. Like, I was going in. Like, fuck y'all, I'm not broke. Like, <laughs> I, I was so mad. Everybody's calling me broke. I'm not broke. Yeah, rule number one, <laughs> now that you know, never comment on it. Somebody who comments uh, on your shit. You open in the can of worms. You can't do it. I, I, I've never been that exposed. So I had 2,000 comments. People just going in. It was new to me. Like, I'm not a celebrity. I'm not Kim Kardashian. I don't know how to handle that. Me, I'm going back and forth. Like, now I will just, I learned my lesson. It's, I would just sit back and let them talk. It's nothing I can do about it. So now that you're here, what are you looking forward to? The fight? After um, parties? I'm just looking forward to get drunk. That's just. Let's go. <laughs> and you know how real that is? Like, what she said. Time is this podcast over. No, no. <laughs> like, this one right here, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Bro. 
Internet. This one right here, when she said I'm going to get drunk, it's going to happen. Uh, he already knows. It's I the took, inevitable. I took Don't matter what fucking time it is. How many shots did I have? I got here. I landed at 11 o'clock today, and I probably had one, two, three, four, uh, six drinks already. She's six endangering drinks. her Yo, guest appearance on the podcast. You know Yo, I didn't catch up right now. Like... You got a bar right there. I'm a as drinker. Soon as it's over. I love liquor. I, I like to have a good time. Like, and I and I'm not out here twerking and being crazy. I just like to chill. I like to turn up. Like, I have a good time. Like, I'm just. You look like you having a I'm good fun. time. That 1500. That 1500 went to liquor. Listen, she got her own money. <laughs> she got her own room, her own flight. You funding the six drinks she already had. Listen, I'll it is it. what it is. I mean, right. actually, I only bought two of my drinks. See? Somebody oh, else. Jesus. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Are you going to hustle into the fight, too? Uh, I'm trying to. I went to the last four fights. So, and I usually never know until the day of the fight, somebody hits me up like, oh, I got an extra ticket. All right. So I'm hoping, but this is going to be a tough one. So but you don't, I don't say. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't think say. it's going to be as easy as it normally is. I'm going to look over. You're going to be third row chilling. <laughs> I had better season us and shit. Yeah. No, but if all else fails, I already got my ticket to watch it at Aria. So I'll be there if all else fails. I'm trying to get in the fight. Anyone want to give me a ticket, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, right now. Anyone listening? <laughs> right now. This, this, this will be out in time. It's going to be another mysterious football player. Yes. With a ticket. Out of the kindness of his heart yes. in your DMs. Like, yo, here, hold this ticket real Sliding quick. In. I don't want nothing. He going to show up in the seat next to you. Yeah, that, that works for me. I'll take it. Listen, I'll take anybody's ticket, money. I don't care. Like, I'll take your boyfriend's money. I'll take your mom's money. I take your uncle, your cousin. It's, I don't. It's I'll up take for grabs. It. It's up for grabs. If you if you wanna, if you're gonna offer it, I'll take it. Well, it's thanks just... for coming on with us. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, I just... you always have to ask. Oh, it. listen. I know. I mean, do you care who wins the fight? Do you give a shit? Oh. Um, it wouldn't make sense, right? I do only because I like I said I've been to the last four, so I kind of I'm kind of just hoping Mayweather just wins it. I think he will. Just I just think it's set up for him to win. I don't think Pacquiao. Come on, I don't. I don't. I just don't think it's gonna happen. All right. She ain't feeling. She ain't feeling the Pac-Man. No, I I don't. Everybody look. You like Mayweather because you know everybody. A lot of people just hate him. People. Listen, people but they hate, hate you too, right? Exactly. They okay, hate so him because guys. he's flashy and they no. But at the end of the day, he's he's a good athlete. Like he's gonna he's gonna win it. I think he's gonna. He's well, got there. It. You got it. He's gonna win it, and we're gonna get drinks. So. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be right back with another guest. Y'all chill out. We're just going to see if we can pull someone real quick. We're going to see who's up next. We'll let you guys know on the other side of this. I'm going to get a drink. Andres, hold it down. Wait, 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 wait. Jamil, you got to plug yourself. Like the books and yes, all that. Yes, I'm yes. going to get a drink while you do you this. Out here. Yes. Yeah. Listen, my first book, I'm trying to write a movie on it. So y'all got to get the book. It's on taleofgreed.com. It's a decent book. It's based on like two girls. Wait, that decent? How you plug yourself and say your shit is decent? That's it's Philly Just, slang. It's Philly slang. We say decent. Decent means good. Right. Yeah. All right, we got chiming in over here. Okay, <laughs> keep going. I'm sorry. But it's 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 two girls like they're young girls and they they move to New York and it's just a it's a story about them trying to get money and the things that they do to try to get money and it's 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 related. People were saying, oh listen, it's you trying to get money and. You're doing it like the wrong way. No, I'm doing it the right way. I'm not on my knees getting it. So, but the girls in the book, they like, they doing some other shit. So anyway, get the book. It's on telefgreed.com. All right, and your Twitter, and I mean, like my, people don't have it, but let's. It, everything's the same. My Twitter, um, my Facebook, 
My Instagram is ja423, J-A-H-423. All right, we're going to let you go have some drinks then. <laughs> yes, it was great having more. Jamila on the show. It's crazy to think we're never going to see another Mayweather weekend. Where are we going to see the urban loitering? Where are we going to get the thought-tastic moments? It's a sad day for sports in Vegas. But moving forward, we had crazy conversations on the show this year. A lot of stuff that made people think like, damn, Kel is crazy. Or Andreas, what the hell are you talking about? Whether you agree or disagree with us, there are certain things that we talked about that you just had to tune in for. And nothing was crazier than our conversation about Rachel Dolezal. We have to talk about Rachel Dolezal. Dolezal, however the hell you say it. It's, her name is fake just like who she is. I don't from. know, yo. She, I, I'm digging the, the fake dreads, braids look. She had the updo in the bun. You started already? Already. Like, you about to, damn, already. already. About to I All thought right. she was just light-skinned. Well, that's what she played as, and she was light here. Yeah, I just thought, you know, maybe her mama was, like, white. Nah, ain't no melanin in that girl's family. Yo, she tans really well. Or uses a bronzer. Whatever works. I'm, I'm not mad at it. So she was the head of the... Spokane, N Washington, NAACP chapter. She was the president. Okay, to be fair, there's not too many other candidates for the Spokane, Washington, NAACP chapter. Yeah, but she's, she's playing as a black woman. She married to a black man? She was. Oh, well then. Well then, what? Well then. That doesn't make you black. I'm, I'm just saying. Nah. I'm just saying. What are you saying? Okay, so I got friends. I got a friend who was married to a Filipino woman. Does it make him Filipino? He was damn near close. He Does knows that how make to make lumpia. So he I, learned some Tagalog. What does that mean? It's close enough. Not close enough. By affiliation. No? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Listen, I, I don't care. Like, if... If a chick really wants to assimilate herself into my life, she got to learn some Puerto Rican. She got to know what Benny is. She has to know what a Malta is. Does that make her Puerto Rican, is. though? Or does that make her... Uh, she can wear a Puerto Rican flag. That doesn't make her Puerto Rican. If, 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 look, look, look. If I met a woman who was black and she was like, I'm white. No, you're black. I see you. You're a black woman. Like, for you to change that, for your own personal gain? Like, she's the ultimate studio gangster. What was she? Okay, she got a, a job out. Was she doing her job? That's my question. You if she do was it. doing her job. Can she do a job as a white woman, though? She, she can of do course a job she could. as a white woman. So yeah, why she can do is it as anything. Why would she have to hijack the struggles of African-American women to do her job? Why are we saying she's hijacking, though? Like, because it ain't her story. It's not a struggle. It ain't her story. And I I'm, I don't know the story as much as everybody out there. And we got a million Twitter reporters who swear to God they're in Spokane, Washington. And they're all activists now. And they've known her for 12 years and seen her hijack everything that are speaking on it. But how do we know she's just, like, doing it as a sign of disrespect? What about she learned the culture? What about she dated a black man and felt that this stuff was dope what if she really liked the way that black women do their hair and she just wanted to see if her hair could get that way and what if she just loved the culture if that's the case hip-hop is messed up right now because black kids ain't buying records nothing but suburban white kids are all so right. they're wrong look look they love the culture here, here we go here we go first of all first of all Kel, you're walking the plank right now i am you it are you are is. walking the plank Twitter, and i will not Twitter be breathe. surprised if next week you ain't on this show anymore with this nonsense you're not born hip hop. You okay. learn the culture. True. If 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 Rachel Dolezal can be black, people like Eminem should be upset. He's not. He never went black. He grew up in Eight Mile True. in the hood, and he never said, "Yo, I'm a black man." 
you have activists who have been working by Martin Luther King and, and the rest of the civil rights activists for years who never said, I'm black because I learned the culture. Correct. I read a lot of things. I, I, my whole life was dedicated to reading about Che Guevara. It doesn't make me Cuban. It doesn't make me Argentinian. Because Che was from Argentina, went to Cuba, and Che never said he was Cuban. He was from Argentina. Yeah. You can't just become something out of convenience. That's crazy. It's like Halloween 365 days a year for this I'm chick. I'm just saying... She ain't in blackface. Yes, she is. Basically, she is. She's in blackface. Look, she's taking the stereotypes of what she thinks black women are and using them to her advantage. She's getting a weave that she makes somewhat kinky. She's, she's tanning her hair. She wears... I just thought she liked it. She la- wears bright fingernails and, like, in big jewelry. I, so just thought she, I just thought she thought that was dope. Like, excuse she me. She didn't think it was... She don't was don't a black doc- women wear that because it's dope? But did is you it see- natural hair in because it's dope? Okay, like, come I on, thought dog. she just liked it. Come on, it. come on. You... Like, we're never going to get to the MMA, UFC, and boxing segments this show <laughs> if you keep doing this. Yo, I, I, I'm just, am you're I not, naive right here? Like, you're very much so. I thought she just liked that aspect of the culture. You can like it, but it doesn't make you the I culture. I didn't call her CB4. Like, so she she's is Gusto? MC, she is MC Gusto. Hey, you know what? For Rachel, she need to learn how to be black. Go get shot by the police. Then you learn what it's like to be black. Be unarmed to get shot by the police. She could do it out of convenience. She could flip any minute. She filed a racial discrimination case against Howard University because they were treating her unfairly because she was white. You can't do it out of convenience. I can't turn white out of convenience. I'm black. That's who I am. Yeah, when a cop sees it doesn't me, work that way. when somebody sees me out on the street, they're going to judge me based on my skin color. And she's using it to her convenience to be the president of the NAACP. She's a studio gangster. She's no better than Rick Ross. MC Gusto. Hey, boss. Straight out of low cash. Hey, for those for, for listeners who don't know, there was a, a rapper back in the day by the name of Boss. Do you remember Boss? Did you ever hear the Boss story? Nah. Okay. <laughs> boss in 1993 dropped an album called, uh, I believe it was called Born Gangsta. She had a song like, I don't give a fuck. It was straight gangster shit. She had like top producers and everything. A Wall Street Journal reporter found out that she went to private school and came into an upper middle class black home. When they found out she was a studio gangster, her career was over. It's, you can't tolerate shit like that. Nowadays, it's like Rick Ross, he's a studio gangster. Come on. He's a cop. It's like, but what's now, his face in 8 Mile when yeah. Eminem just exposes him? And it's like... Clarence? But now we have a tolerance for people, and then we, then we empathize with their struggle of being a liar. Like, come on. And then they make money off it, because it's not like Rachel's going to give her accolades back. She still thinks she's black. She's like, I was black since I was five, because I had colored with a brown crayon. And her mom was like, no, you weren't. I'm Caucasian. You're Caucasian. Be what you are. You can fight... For civil rights. You got a brother who's black? Where did I see Well, this they're online? adopted. Like, the black kids in the family are adopted. Oh, so she got black kids in her family. Yeah, that are adopted. This is just getting better by the second. Yo, it's the most ridiculous I was doing the NBA Finals, people. Listen, I'm catching up on a story. I see this woman. She got dope hair. It's, like, curly. I thought she was light-skinned. I guess she's not. No, And man. I guess she's swagger-jack in the culture. I the just ins- thought she liked yo, it. you know who Kirk Lazarus is? Yeah. From Tropic Thunder? Yeah. There we go. Method acting and then blackface. That's that's your girl Rachel. She need to cut that shit out. That, that it's gotta go, man. Like I, I can't I can't like we we talk on our show about black athletes and they get criticized and scrutinized because they are black. We talk about the new day. Yeah, we talk about new day. New Stereotypes that are black. Like if you you can't be born anything else but what you are. If you wanna be if you wanna learn about a culture, so be it. Do what you want. Read a book. Fight for civil rights. Fight for injustice. There's nothing wrong with that. She could just do that shit as a white woman. That's all I'm saying. That's just so crazy to me. Like, I thought she honestly just liked the culture. She liked her hair like that. I didn't know she necessarily wanted to go around being black. Yo, like, she wouldn't deny it. Like, she's not biracial. She's not 
She's a white woman, and it's okay. It's like, alright to be a white woman. You Listen, could, we all love Justin Timberlake. He's white. He could wear cornrows. He could sing with Timbo. He could be on Jay Z tracks. Now, if Jay, because he's just like yo, I'm white, but I love all this. Now, if Justin Timberlake rolled up and was like, yo, I'm black, you would look at him like a goddamn fool. If he yeah. darkened his skin and and got an afro and was like, I'm black, you'd be offended. Yeah. I'd be offended. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I'm offended when black women lighten their skin. Exactly. And want to be something else. And we talked about Lil' Kim on this podcast. Of course, of so, course. So, I mean, it's it goes both ways. You know, just kind of be who you want to be. You can't give this woman a pass. And it's like, I wrote a piece on Two Dope Boys. for readers. If you want to read Plug, it's up today about Rachel Dolezal being a studio gangster. It's like, you are hijacking the culture for personal gain. Because at any given time, you could have been like, yo, I'm just a white woman who's fighting for civil rights. Because I know right from wrong. It's really that simple. But then she's coming out here saying that I'm black. And like Rick Ross... She's caught red-handed with a smoking gun in her hand. You just got to go out, though. And like, she's just like, yo, I'm sticking to my lie. I am a black woman. And they're like, no, you're not. Her parent, Your parents just say, I am a black woman. And like Rick Ross, he denied, 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 denied to the point where people were like, fuck it. They just gave up and just kept Like, you just couldn't do that in the 90s. You couldn't be a studio gangster and keep going. Racy the does 90s, be, though. It's not. That's what I'm saying. People are so accepting of people who want to lie and be fake. Be who you are. I don't know. I... You can't become she, a race, dude. No, no, nah, nah, you can't. You can't. She ain't look too bad with the the little kinky twist or whatever she had. She looked like uh, a Leah Shaw. She cat. almost had like the. I'm sure there's a picture out there with her with like those Bantu knots or whatever. She's she's all like, if, if we didn't know any better and it didn't blow up, she could have been like a black Twitter chick. Like she nah. got all the characteristics of a black Twitter girl. Like she had all the hairstyles. She got the nails. She's faking stuff. That that that's like Yo. black. Twitter How do you give lectures on black hair being a white woman? Well, as, obviously, she as knows a how black to do woman. hair. But you can do hair. You can do <laughs> hair all you want. I'm just saying. But she you knows can't, the ins like, and outs of doing if, the hair. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't tell. I can't even talk about the black woman's struggle because black women have their own personal struggle that I'll never understand. Yeah, I know. But I got two some, black daughters. They, yeah. I'm sure that they go through it with their hair. I they, don't know. They have issues. And to have somebody who's pretending to be you, to not understand the, the daily nuances... You know what I'm saying? Like, we got video games moving around. Yeah, I'm sorry, folks. people moving furniture. Yeah. But to understand the daily nuances of self-doubt and stress and what it's like to be a black woman, not seeing dolls that look like you, things of that nature, it's like, come on, man. You got to cut that out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess people are outraged. I just like to see the outrage. I didn't I'm listen, outraged. man. I was, I was tuned out. I was in a bubble due to the finals. And, uh, yeah, this all happened crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'm watching the game, and I'm sitting there laughing at LeBron, which we talk about. I told you I was going to be right. By the way, hold on real quick. I just did the dopest shit ever. So Bruce Lee is, like, on the TV. There's kung fu flicks all the time. There was a fly flying in front of our faces. I caught it. Boom. Mid-podcast. But you didn't do it with chopsticks. Listen, it was in my hand. You catch a fly. It was so dope. I just, ah, get it out of here. It's because we got kung fu flicks on. I'm learning already. That's that's true. I got crazy reflexes. That's the truth. And this woman's pretending to be black. So, we haven't heard from Rachel Dolezal in a minute, but I'm sure she's somewhere in the Bahamas with box braids, preparing for her comeback, how Rachel got her groove back style, and uh, I'm sure she'll pop up in 2016. If she doesn't, she gave us a great topic in 2015, and moving forward, it's another great topic, Kendrick Lamar's The Pimper Butterfly album. I wasn't feeling it, Andreas was. We go back and forth explaining our points. Check it out. So... It's been half the year, so what are the top five pound-for-pound pound albums of the year? Ugh. You want to go first, you want me to go first? It's a hell of a pound-for-pound pound list. Um, 
I'll go first because people are going to love your list. People are going to try to crush me for my list. They and I expect it you. all the time. That's your life. And <laughs> it happens. But listen, shit makes sense to me. So I'm rolling with it. Five through one. Uh, five, Tetsuo and Youth, Lupe. I'm just a huge Lupe fan. Thought the album was really good. Mural is probably my favorite song of the year so far. Eight minutes straight, just crushing it. There's just triple entendres littered throughout that song. And there's metaphors that he'll say four minutes in, reverting back to two minutes ago. Um, he's a beast. So Lupe's there for the Shrem Life joint with the Ray Shremmer kids. You I don't, really yeah, like those guys. I do. The album was dope. Front to back. Club bangers. You can't even front on it. I know traditional hip-hop people will front on it. Like Everybody it. else, they'll, they'll have my back on this. Those kids got it on that album. Uh, Michael Made It really got it. They're kind of just a face for him. Like He's like, yo, I'm yeah. too old to sell pop music. Let me get these little kids who are just old enough but just young enough to wild out and just put out my my work properly. Um, three, album about nothing, Wale. I, it was a better album than I thought. I saw him perform tracks off of it. It's, it's pretty cool. I'm not a huge Wale fan, but I thought this album specifically was dope. It's one of his best projects uh, since, I guess, he signed to Maybach. It, it was a really cool piece, so it's in my top five for right now. Uh, two, at long last, ASAP. Still growing on me. Still, you know, listening to it all the way through. I've listened to it a couple times all the way through. I had the long road trip up to San Fran for the finals, so I got to really hear it. I, I thought it was a real good work. ASAP never disappoints me. So I like him. He got a different ear. That's dope. And then number one, Dark Sky Paradise, Big Sean. Front to back, I don't got to skip a track. Uh, Big Sean, lyrically, top five right now, spitting. So he he didn't disappoint me either. I thought it was good front to back. That's five. God damn it, Kill. I did it again. Dropped the mic on him. It's hard to follow that. This silence is, first of all, I'm thinking about last week right now. I didn't say no, no crazy shit last week. You did didn't? What did I say last week? Rachel Dolezal. Oh, that was, yeah. All right. All right, yeah. I thought it went one episode without saying crazy shit. Nah, never. All right. Before I even start my list, how did you not put Kendrick Lamar in your top five? I didn't think the album was top five. Do we have to revisit the first podcast again? If you guys haven't heard our intro oh podcast, God. after this, go back and listen. And cool, it, it was impactful. And, you know, I'm just a bigger Lupe fan than I am Kendrick. So, Lupe gets that spot. I, I thought Lupe's album was just like Kendrick's. It was like, it had feeling, it had meaning, it had a purpose. But people just don't connect to Lupe like that. They think he's a weirdo activist dude, and Kendrick has more pop appeal. So, he did the same shit, and it sold. And, oh my God, no one has ever done this. You got oh, four on, other Lupe's people on your list, though. You got, like, four other people on your list. Yeah, man. Ray Shremmer. Come on, man. Shout out to man. the kids, man. Shout how out to you, the kids. How do you do this? Shout out to them. God Over Kendrick. Damn it, Kel. We got this. I'm going to get a t-shirt that says, God damn it, because I say it every goddamn episode. Ray Shremmer over, over Kendrick. Put it. I don't you care are, where y'all put you it. You put this in the headline. Right All right. Pipe down, you. Let, let me go. Let's, let's get a real man's list. I don't Dope know what this. Number five, um, The Ecology, Fashion. Great album. Um, his mass appeal debut, long overdue. Fast could rap. That's all there is to it. Um, kid is dope, man. Like, what else can you say? Uh, four, I really enjoy the Surf album. The Social Spirit, Donnie okay, Trumpet. So, yeah, no. Nah, Musically, it's dope, though. 
musically it's a great album. It's not just a chance to rap a showcase. It's it's a it's a whole crew, and those kids can play great music. Rememory with Erica Badu was great. Um, I know some people are annoyed with the slip and slide song, but I like it. Um, I like that you got Bust on there. I, I just like how it all worked out, and it just felt good. It was like a really feel good album. I thought it was dope. Everyone really put that together well I thought like you know they, they really showed support and it came out in the music yeah. so it, it was a good album like, uh, that's four number three Lupe Fiasco Tesla and Youth um, yeah I, I'm sorry there, there's people who don't like Lupe as a, as a rapper just, you just don't like rap you just gotta figure out what you need to do with your life I just lock him in a room listening to Mural on Loop uh, Lupe is he's a casualty of his own greatness He's he's jaded for a reason and I've got stories because I've known Lou for a long time and we haven't talked in years but um, he's just he's really jaded by what this industry has done to him, which unfair. I mean, the Atlantic uh, situation, you just kind of look at how his career has panned out from what he once was. And it's unfortunate because Tetsu and Youth is probably one of his most complete albums to date. Um, phenomenal songwriting, phenomenal, you know, lyricism. The beats were great. It was a great album. I can't believe people slept on it. Um, two, look, I like Drake's album. Okay. Oh, like I even had Drake. So no Drake, no Kendrick on my list. Yeah, right. yeah, you written dog. Anyway, but the thing about the the Drake project is when I first listened to it, I was like, this is cool. But Drake has songs that I go back to right, like right now, that I didn't really like at first. Legend was cool, and now I bumped the hell out of Legend. Oh, Legend's dope. Yeah, you know, like he has a couple of those. He's got some bangers on there, and for this to be a mixtape that he was just like, yeah, let me get this out of here so I can get out of this contractual obligation. Smart move. And that's why it's not on my list. To me, I feel like it was a mixtape that was just put out for sale, and it's a bunch of throwaways. It, to, to me, his real album's coming. That real album is going to be incredible. Well, it's going to be album of the year. If these were the throwaway songs. It's going to be a challenge. It's scary. Well, here's the challenge with Drake, because this project, you can throw away these songs because, you know, they're not groundbreaking. They're still good. There's just nothing groundbreaking in there that's going to change the game. So when he put out this project and I'm listening to it, yeah, it's like, was it, like 19 songs? Yeah. You in the six. I mean, you got a lot of joints. Like, they straight fire on this yeah. album. Some things you could do without, you know, like a lot of the Party Next Door stuff, I'm like, okay, we replaced the weekend with Party Next Door, whatever. I'm not that huge on Party Next Door. Me Even though the song with him and Big Sean on that album is dope, yeah. but I mean. Um, but, yeah, whatever. But, Drake, still, for you to have a throwaway album and for you to land number two on my list, because I enjoy the album, um... Him and Lupe may switch day to day, but I, I enjoy Drake's album. No, it was good. I just didn't consider it an album. So yeah. that's just technicality on my point. And then on uh, number one is Kendrick Lamar. Like, how do you not put Kendrick Lamar? Like, musically speaking, from a musical perspective alone, it's phenomenal. And then what, he, what the goals that he accomplished, I don't, I don't know. We don't have to revisit the whole first episode. But how, <laughs> is, how is this not on your list? Because the impact is not what I'm judging. I'm judging the music, how much I like the music, and it was good. It's not in my top five so far this year. I don't think musically it was that – it's not that far behind the Wale joint, but it wasn't as good to me. Um, it's not as good as Wale's album? No, I thought Wale was spitting better. Okay, you know what? Sonically, yes, it sounds great. Yeah, you got real instruments. Lyrically, too. And, I mean, I'm a, I like Wale, but Kendrick's a better rapper. And Kendrick is a better rapper, and I thought this was, what, third – Ranking amongst Kendrick's albums, in my opinion, which is still better than like everybody else's, and not on my list. God damn it, Kelly! How do you? Ray Shremer made my list. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. How you put Ray Shremer over a Kendrick Lamar album? Because for what they do, they don't fake the funk. They ain't trying to fake to be lyrical, all this stuff. And listen, I love lyrics. I, no one will ever tell me different. I grew up in NY. It's just lyrics through and through. 
You know, the, the poppiness was never my joint. But these kids got it. Front to back, they had nothing but club hit, club hit, club hit, club hit, club hit. And you know what? I got to give them props. So you you can find, like... You know, switch them and Lupe, though. Lupe got to be higher on that. Like, you got... Like, complexion, um... How many times you go back and listen to the Kendrick? I listen to it. I listen to it today. Listen to it today? Yes. You might be the only person. Bullshit. I'm not sure the replay value on that is 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 strong. Now I get it. When people say you are trolling, I'm not trolling. I'm dead ass serious. I've listened to it three times. That's it. Yeah, I listened to it halfway before our first uh, episode, and then I listened to it to make sure I wasn't batshit crazy. After that episode, I listened to it for a week after that, and then I was like, eh, okay, I can go without it. Oh man, have you checked the mailbox lately? I I've de- no, I haven't really. Got Don't in check there. it now. I need to check. Check this. it after this show. Right after the show. Look, listen, hit us up, Twitter, mailbag. I don't care. I'll clip this out and make it its own little joint on the YouTube, so you guys can go right here and hear me talk this talk. Kendrick's not on my top man. five. You want me? Want me to make you feel better? I'll put him at six. That doesn't make me feel better. Okay, then yeah, then then he's outside the top five. You're crazy. He could be at six. It was all right. Enough. I'm done talking about this with you because it it's just like, all it's going to do is we upset me. We've been lucky enough to have a lot of great guests on the Corner Podcast this year. And on one episode, we invited two guests on Saturday's life. One hey, that's being what, hey, Royce Saturday, to five Sunday. nine. One quarter of the slaughter. I just had no, I just had brunch evil, on Sunday. And the other being <laughs> like y'all, man, y'all be fucking up. Y'all be like y'all live that brunch life. You better get it together. Catch, catch my New York cats, y'all know. And y'all do have brunch parties, day parties, like brunch is where it's at. I'm obviously still ten years removed from that life. Get it together. That's what you need to do. Get it together. In ten years, if I'm having brunch, I'll call you. I don't know why. would you wait ten years for brunch? Like, let me let me explain something to you. If you can go somewhere that has Free sh- bottomless champagne. Correct. And a bre- and all you can eat, gourmet breakfast and lunch. Why you got to be old to do that shit? It just seems like some shit older people do. Nope. Anybody who's from New I York. I can just have breakfast yo. or lunch. I am still of that age. And most of the time at my age, I'm skipping breakfast. Why you the hell am I up that early? That sounds so stupid. Why would you pass on that? That's, like, Do you eat cereal at night? No, but you I, don't. I, I don't eat cereal. What kind of night? fucking human being are you? What are you? I eat cinnamon toast crunch. At mi- yes, I eat Fruit Loops with marshmallows at midnight and cinnamon toast crunch and Apple Jacks. No, I got shit like Roberto's still open. Nah, fuck that. You don't eat cereal in the afternoon. No. What kind of man are you? I'm a normal human being. Nah, what the man. Hell do you mean? Nah, it, there's something wrong with you. There's clearly something wrong with you that I don't like, and <laughs> I'm offended that my co-host does not fucking eat cereal in the middle of the day. I don't. And I don't I eat don't brec- no, I don't eat breakfast for breakfast. Brunch spots. I don't eat breakfast for breakfast. That's that's just not how I roll. So you do brunch and nothing else. I, I do brunch and then I eat some other shit. But the fact that I can have waffles and I can have chicken, or I can have waffles and I can have like a roast or pancakes, it, it, together and bottomless champagne. You don't drink champagne. I drink champagne. Everyone drinks champagne. No, everybody apparently doesn't drink champagne because your ass would be at a bottomless. I champ- drink champagne at normal champagne drinking hours. What is a normal champagne drinking hours? Eleven, hour? twelve at night when you're standing on furniture, drunk. In so a you've never had beer for breakfast? Listen, are we talking about college days? Because I've had beer every hour. I'm just of the day. saying. Every I'm just hour saying. Like that. I've woken up <laughs> trash from a party the night before, nine a.m., and kept hitting the keg. Yo, I don't understand how the fuck. 
you got these time limits on when you can eat and drink certain shit. Is it just normal shit? Why am I eating brunch? I got stuff to do. No, you don't. Stop lying to the fucking audience. You got stuff to do. I don't got like brunch so, hours. You don't have time to eat breakfast and lunch together? No, I'm choosing either or. Why? If they're both laid out there for you, why wouldn't you take it? Our listeners right. are like, yo, what the fuck? What time do you wake up on a weekend? I don't care. I wake We're up. We're waiting for our guests to call in. They're going to have to listen to this. Yo, some days I wake up at 9 on a Sunday. Some days I wake up at 12. It just depends on what I did the night before. But yet you still always make time for brunch. Fuck yeah. If, I, duh, if I'm going to get drunk at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, why not? I'm going to Snapchat myself going to brunch this weekend. Just Please, because. Go to the right one. Don't go to no vagina brunch. Don't, know, don't do no weak ass like vagina brunch. Vagina brunch? Yeah, like weak ass <laughs> brunch. I want you to do like, go to Wicked Spoon in, at the Cosmopolitan. Do you know go the price Aria. of Wicked Spoon? You obviously know the price of, of Wicked Spoon. Of course I do. I fucking go. Just do it. It'll be worth it. Anyway, moving right along. What, what else salary we, for this podcast. What else do we got to talk? Yeah, yo, I'm a brunch guy. You got to get it together. <laughs> Grow up, Kale. <laughs> Let your testicles descend a little bit, all right? Damn, I'm, I got to do stuff early now. Brunch. Hey, what else do we have to talk about? Got to talk boxing with our guests. Let's bring them on. Yo, what's up, everybody? So we got Andrew Schultz <laughs> on the phone. One half. One oh, yeah. half of the Brilliant Idiots. What up? Thank you for joining us. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me, folks. Yeah, anytime, man. Anytime. And, you know, we're here to talk boxing. Yeah, I heard you're a boxing fan, Andrew. Is that How long you been a fan, man? I'm a huge fan, man. My, uh, my father was a big boxing fan. He used to, used to be a news reporter down in Baltimore. And um, he would cover, like, you know, Ali's camps and shit like that. He'd... So he's been a huge boxing fan since back in the day. Like, he's got crazy footage of him, like, shadow boxing with Ali. Just, I mean, insane stuff. And um, so, yeah, so I was a big fan just growing up because my dad would watch boxing. And then I think it's one of those things where it's got to kind of be passed down. It's very rare you just pick up boxing as, like, a sport to watch. You know, you got to be some lineage there. And then, um, yeah, when I was in college, I did a little boxing. I mean, nothing crazy. Uh I was in the gym. I had a smoker. I was gonna do a glove, and then my fight got all fucked up. But um, but yeah, man. So I'm just a huge boxing fan, big boxing enthusiast. Schultz got hands. Who knew? I got you know. What I mean, I got a little something. Got a little something. Maybe I ain't more in my old age. Back in the day, I could throw them a little. You know. Yo, I'm telling you, people see you on guy code. They don't know you got hands. They they can't even try. Hey, man, they can come find out. <laughs> So, dude, what was the? Do you remember the first fight that you watched on maybe on TV that made you say, "Yo, I'm in love with this sport"? Do you remember a fight that's significant? I remember the first live fight that I that I saw that uh, that I felt like the energy from. I'm trying to think about the first fight that I saw on TV. I remember the first live one was uh, Felix Trinidad against William Choppy. Oh, I and uh, yeah, and then uh, and, and you know. Uh, Trinidad just mopped Joppy, and this was like when Trinidad was on the come up, and I think Joppy might have been a champion at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, that might have been like a unifying fight. And um, but I remember I was rooting for Joppy, and I was just in, I was I was in Madison Square Garden, and the garden was just popping. It was crazy, and everybody was pro, you know, everybody was pro Trinidad. There were guys just walking around with like banners spelled incorrectly, you know what <laughs> I mean, like. Boxing with like a CK or some shit, like some weird ass way of spelling boxing. Like, 
and uh, and it was just the, the fight and the atmosphere was wild. But by this time, you know, I was already a big fan. You know, I was a huge fan of Roy. You know, in Roy's heyday, and um, I mean, you know, massive fan of Roy Jones. And uh, yeah, so I'm trying to think of the first fight that I really saw that that caught me. I really can't think, man. I don't know. So many, too many. Nah, that's a good live fight to go to, though. The Puerto Ricans were in effect. Puerto Ricans don't got to know how to spell. They're just there for the ambiance. Oh, yeah. That, yeah that's how need, we work. You need at least one Spanish person in the ring. You know, at least one Mexican, Puerto Rican. I mean, Filipinos aren't Spanish, but their last name sounded. You know, so you need at least one person that had been conquered by Spain. That's the rule. Exactly. For a fight to be live. <laughs> That's where Floyd messed up, yo. That's why they got 2,100 tickets left. He forgot to put a Spanish person Bro, on the card. I saw that, man. I was talking to Andreas. I think he's doing it for Haiti. <laughs> Floyd, Floyd's giving the gift to Haiti, man. Berto's making $4 million. I think million. he's giving. He's yeah, because Berto's making $4 million. He's probably going to give a good $2 million at the Haiti. So that, that's you know, Floyd's way of giving charity. See? $4 million to get mopped up. Hey, I take it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I'll take it. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that because you know he's not gonna concuss you. No. Nah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's Floyd. It's four million to get a beating, but you know, be all right. I mean, I got yeah, my ass whipped by my parents worse than Floyd whoops some ass. You know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. No, Manny Pacquiao was smiling after that fight last time. Yeah, Pacquiao was smiling, but he was smiling because he cast a hundred million dollar check. <laughs> Yo, to Berto, you know? four mil is like a hundred mil. It's the biggest yeah, payday I mean, he's ever getting. He just won a lot. Yeah, of I mean, you know, yeah, Birdo, Birdo, you know, I think he still has a day job. I think he, you know, <laughs> I think he's the, he, he's the guy who, when you text the yellow, that he receives the money. <laughs> God damn. Got the side hustle. <laughs> <laughs> he's the guy who takes the $10 out of your AT&T account. I think he's the day. Oh, my God. <laughs> Slander. I love it. Yo, so so I mean, me. right off right off the rip, man. When you heard that Floyd Mayweather's flight fighting Andre Berto and what is supposed to be his last fight, what's the first thing that you thought? Um, I thought uh, I thought his last fight was Pacquiao, and I think this is just him still on the contract. And I mean, like, okay, let's look at it. You know, like Floyd, realistically, I don't know how to, I don't know how to exactly say Floyd's fought. Floyd really hasn't ducked everybody. Everybody likes, everybody likes to act like Floyd has ducked some people. But Floyd has fought great fighters. He just makes them look mediocre. And, you know, if you look at, like, the great youth of Roy Jones, Roy Jones, who, you know, in his heyday, maybe, I mean, you could argue, like, one of the best ever. You could argue best ever in his heyday, heyday. He was fighting some tomato cans. Right. And he was fighting some nobodies when HBO was just letting him choose whoever he was going to fight. So, I mean, Same thing for like, Tyson. Say that again. Same thing for Tyson. Tyson was fighting nobody. Yeah, Tyson was fighting some nobodies. I mean, everybody had a chance to fight nobodies. I mean, the quiz goes, I mean, there's nobody in that division anymore. Uh, but, I mean, you know, Vladimir's fighting nobody. So, you know, for Floyd to be out there fighting true goats or true champions, like, you know, De La Hoya, was it, De La Hoya, say what you want about De La Hoya, and, and you know, if he wants to dress up in ladies' clothes, this, that, the other. When he's in the ring, that's a bad motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he was a bad boy. He might have had like, a thong under his, under his shorts, hey, but I, that's what it takes to give me a thong. I don't want that beard. You know what I mean? I want that, I want that left hook. 
that was a bad boy, man. I remember. I mean, he got ripped off. He beat he beat uh, Trinidad easy. Yeah, washed him. Um, who else? I thought he beat Mosley. Especially the uh, second time around, I definitely thought he beat yeah, Mosley. I remember that. Yeah, I mean, you know, so he lost a couple close. He lost a couple close fights, but he was always, you know, vicious dude. I mean, I remember that Vargas fight. Remember when he finished Vargas? Oh man, he killed Vargas. He blew Vargas up with <laughs> that left hook, blew him up. Oof, oof. So I mean, you know, Floyd's been in there some bad motherfuckers. Okay, so he didn't fight Margarito, but then Margarito got exposed. Right, cheater. <laughs> who else did he not? Who else did he not fight? Well, you know, people argue that he didn't fight uh, Casamayor when Casamayor was hot, or Asselino Freitas. Um, he missed out on both of them. Didn't fight Katsuzu. There's arguments. There's, there's arguments that can be made that he didn't fight certain fighters. So I don't know if he ducked them. I, I'm the same way. I don't think he necessarily ducked these guys. I just think the business didn't line up, and he was with Bob Arum. He took Shit the happens. money. Exactly. You got to take exactly. the money. And Arum's, Arum's doing the exact same thing that he did with Pacquiao. Arum, from my from what I understand, and I have some some friends that are like in, in business. Uh, the reason that Mayweather Pacquiao fight didn't happen was all Arum. Yes, I agree with you 100. It was all Arum, and everybody wants to blame Floyd. But you know what? This should here's some real here's some interesting stuff that nobody likes to account uh, with that. And it's like I want to call it racism, but like culturalism is this whole the whole reason that Pacquiao didn't want to get blood testing done is because he was superstitious. And the only reason we accept that is because he's not American. Yep. We yeah. only accept that from some, like, weird country that's, like, asian -y. And we're like, oh, yeah, they're really superstitious out there. Uh, you know, uh, of course. But you know them, those superstitious people. If any American said, no, I don't want blood testing, I'm superstitious, we'd be like, you're a fucking cheater. You're on some <laughs> Yo, there's still a lot of people that believe that, though. I mean, people are just looking at Manny like, eh, you haven't knocked someone out in a long time. Of course he was time. on roids. Of course. There's no way. You don't carry power from 106 pounds to 154. <laughs> hey, you said it. There's look, no look. way. You said it. I, I've been saying it for a long time. It's hard for you when you go up in weight to carry, to have a better knockout ratio when you were, than when you were 108 pounds is fucking impossible. Not even a question. Now... To that point, this is a testament to, this is a real testament to De La Hoya's chin. Because De La Hoya was getting rocked yeah. by Pacquiao. Rocked. You know, I mean, we're talking about not even like, not, of course, the combination punches. But I mean, just straight left to the jaw. The ship is sat hat and down. The ship is sat everybody down. And he was just sitting there taking. He quit. He quit on the stool, but he didn't get dropped or even shook. Nah, he just got you beat know? the fuck up. That's what happened. Yeah, he didn't want no he more of that. Yeah. That was his moneymaker. I don't know. <laughs> I like Pacquiao. I think he's fun. I think he's a fun fighter to watch, but I just, you know, I, I mean, Floyd, for me, just when I grew up, you know, I'm 31, so for who I grew up watching, I, for me, Floyd is the best ever that I've seen. You know, I didn't grow up in the Ali era. You know, I didn't, I didn't grow up, I didn't really grow up watching um, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, you know, my dad grew up watching Robinson. He said Robinson is the best he ever saw. You know, so everybody has their guy. But for me, it's just, I mean, it's just Floyd, man. And he doesn't have power, so maybe people go, oh, maybe he's not as, you know, they don't, they don't understand what he does. But, like, when I see him go in there and just step by step remove his opponent's weapons, 
You know, when I see him going there, and like, okay, I'm going to counter the jab. Now you're afraid to throw the jab. Okay, now you don't throw jab anymore. Now, okay, what are you going to do with the right hand? All right, there it is. I slip the right hand. Boom, come over the top. Now you're not going to throw right hands. Now you just stand in front of me, and you're scared. It's just <laughs> amazing when I see, you know what I mean? Like, knowing a little bit about boxing and seeing him literally just take away a fighter's confidence, it's just remarkable. Best defensive fighter ever. Yeah. But... Man. Does that land him in your top five? Because he says he's walking away after Saturday. Regardless of what anyone believes, yeah. he says he's gone. He wants his health. Is he in your top five? Uh, to me, he's my number one. He said the number one of the you know, fighters they saw. I, see, here's my thing. Like I've watched a lot of boxing. I've watched old tapes of like Ali and Leonard. and mm-hmm. I think with Sugar Ray Robinson, a guy who has 200 fights and wins the majority of them, I think that's his best fight of all time. Yeah, because he he gave himself more opportunities to lose than Floyd did at forty with forty nine fights. So yeah, but the question is this: How many Mexicans did he fight? That's a damn good question. <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? It caught me so off guard because I, I was like, "Yo, he didn't fight De La Hoya," and I'm like, "I'm thinking it like, damn, man, you just threw me with the Mexican with question. the Mexican question." I don't. <laughs> Gotta go look up heritage and shit or people from the seventies. That shit like like Babe Ruth hit sixty home runs, but that was before black people were allowed to play baseball. All right, Robinson won two hundred fights before Mexicans were allowed to fight. It's different when you punch them in the head and it does nothing. (laughs) That's so real. Never thought about this shit in my life. Oh my god. Yo, that might be one of the best arguments ever. That right? was that was the best. Like, all right, so we got a lot of people that we've had on the show that, like, Glasses Malone's a big Floyd Mayweather guy. He's never said that one before. I'm going to have to bring that to his attention. He's going to get excited over that shit. Oh, yeah. Wait, who was on it? Glasses, Glasses Malone, the rapper. He's a big. He says Floyd okay. Mayweather's the best fighter of all time. And I argued with him. We had a, a heated argument on one of our shows where I talked about Sugar Ray Robinson. If I bring up your argument, yeah. he's going to love that shit. No Mexicans. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. If, if if I ask my father, right, who's seen all these guys, grew up in New York City, you know, when Robinson was fighting, you know, saw Robinson drive through New York City in a Cadillac, and that's his fucking hero, you know what I'm saying? Who saw that, like, I mean, Robinson, what, fought, won 100 fights before he lost or something crazy? Like, or like I mean, something absurd. He was fighting every couple weeks. Like, maybe this is the best to ever, ever to, ever to do it. At least in his time, maybe the most dominant. Okay, fair. Um, but in terms of, I mean, in terms of just, we want to look at, like, fighting top competition, which he did. Okay, so he didn't fight Mayor, who now is a bum, and didn't fight Freitas, who now is a bum, and who got beat by bums. I love Mayor, by the way. I was a big fan. Um, and Floyd has always had difficulty with Southpaws. Right. You know, Chop Chop, Chop Chop dropped him, or had him almost dropped. Right. When he fought Corley. Um, you know, I was surprised how well he did against Pacquiao, but, but Southpaws have always been a little bit of a struggle. Uh, even uh, Zab, for six rounds, that was a very competitive fight. Shit, Zab caught him with a right hook that shot him down too, but they didn't call it, but the glove touched the, the mat. The mat. Mm-hmm. So, I... Uh, I, I don't know, man. I I just feel like Floyd has exhibited a dominance in his fight that has been, like, unprecedented in, in sport, you know? I mean, there's a guy, a surfing champion, a guy named Kelly Slater, who won, I think, maybe 11, 
championships or ten championships or something like that, some titles. And like that kind of dominance is what Floyd has exhibited. But like to go through and literally we can't even name the amount of time he was staggered. Like like Mosley caught him and it was a shocking moment. We're like, whoa. You know, like it's hard to name the amount of clean shots that have been landed on this guy. Yeah. You know, like I mean it's just I, I don't know, I just the dominance is just it's just insane, man. He he's just yeah, he's just he's it's you know, he's a counterpuncher and he's so good at counterpunching he makes his opponent stop throwing punches. That's his fault? We're gonna fault him for that? <laughs> nah, and you know what I mean? It's crazy because we don't see like another defensive fighter coming. There's young fighters, there's exciting guys coming, but there's like no one where you peg and be like, yo, his defense is Floyd like. We might not see another yeah. fighter like him in a long time. Uh, any of these young kids stick out to you, though, because now boxing is in a void. You have Canelo, who's a pay-per-view fighter, and uh, that's it. I mean, Triple G is on his first pay-per-view. Outside of that, you don't have any real stars. I want to talk to you guys about Triple G, because I don't believe it yet. God damn it. <laughs> another person says this shit. Yo, Andreas has been having to answer people for months on this. It- is he legit? I mean, here's, I'll be honest. I've only seen a few minutes of this stuff, but, um, I'm, and, I, and I'm going to go watch the fight live at the Garden. I think it's the 17th. Yeah, yeah. October. Uh, are you guys going? I was thinking about making the trip out to New York for that. I'm not sure yet. I haven't decided. Might have All right, to do well, that. I, I got I to gotta get your take on it, because uh, just tell me what you think. You think he's legit? You his, go first, girl. His power is legit. And he carries at such a high weight that the competition and people where they want to see him fight and the names they want to see him fight are all underneath him. So his power is going to translate. So there's no one like Canelo, smaller, weight class, and he's already yeah. knocking people out at. Uh, I mean, Bradley, if Bradley moves up to 154, which he'd be tiny, he'd knock Bradley out. He'd beat yeah. Cotto because they're all smaller than him. Andre Ward might give him the most difficult test because it's a bigger fighter. But outside of that, there's no one that's going to expose him and his chin, which is the only thing that's shaky because he'll stand in there and trade. But even then, his power is better than people at 160's power. So, if so he, that's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about when he sits down, when he gets in there with guys who can crack. I mean, it's one thing when you get in there with like the, I don't know, he's in Marco Antonio Rubio, like one of these guys. You know, when you get into these like journeymen not elite fighters, but guys who have fought for a title. But when you get in there with someone who can crack, and they're going to get a shot at the gym if you stand there and trade. Oh, Eventually, yeah. something's going to land. So what happens when you're sitting in there with a Ward, or you're sitting in there with Ward and Kovalev. boys that can That's it. Say Those what? are the only two people he got to worry about, Ward and Kovalev, because they're bigger than him, and they got pop. Outside of that, I think he, he's fine. Yeah, what is Kovalev? Kovalev's at 175, right? Yeah, he's light heavyweight. So so here's my take, because I've been watching Gennady for a long time, and I watched him through the Olympics. He's beating up guys like Lucien Butte, Andre Durrell. Um, He's never been knocked down or hurt in his professional or amateur career, which is a scary oh, thing. Sure. 357 yeah. fights, he's never been hurt or knocked down. And he's fought yeah. in league competition. So... A lot of people say he hasn't fought anybody, but he didn't, he didn't go through the Olympics like he did for no reason. So he's got an amateur background. The other thing is, yeah. he fights at 154, but he can fight it up to 168. Mm-hmm. He, he fluctuates. He's like 30, 32 years old. Yeah. But the guy can eat whatever he wants and still make weight. So talent, like, 
people haven't seen him tested because nobody's been there really to test him. He's really that good. And I think when he fights Lemieux, Lemieux is a guy who can crack, but I don't think he'll be able to take what Gennady's going to give him back. Gennady's going to probably kill that man within five rounds. Wow. Okay. And he's scary. I mean, so yeah. What I, what, what I would suggest to a lot of people, they, they ask if Gennady's the real deal. Like, try to find as many fights as you can watch. There's a lot of shit on YouTube. And watch the guys that he hurts and watch how effortlessly, effortlessly he hurts these guys. With quick body punches. Yeah. He's scary. He's crazy. Like, no, no step into the punch. Just yeah. a quick power shot. He's the boogeyman of boxing. And, and, and I know really? from, from my guys at HBO, and I'm not going to call it any names, but they have put contracts on the table in front of a lot of middleweights. And all of them have said, no, I don't really want a, a piece of Gennady Golovkin. Not right now. I'm not ready for that. I wonder how De La Hoya would do money-wise. If Triple G becomes the pay-per-view power and you still have Canelo, Canelo can come in at 160. And get killed. And, and be comfortable at 160, though. And you say, Canelo, how is your power look at 160? Let's test you against Triple G at 160. I don't want to see him fight at 154. I, mean, I would love to see them fight at 160. I think that'd be great. Because Canelo's uh, power has to translate better to 160. Nah, when you move up in weight, just like we just talked about with Pacquiao, when you move up in weight... Your hands are smaller. The, car- the power that you carry when you're a lighter weight, your hands remain small. Like James Tony, if everybody watches James Tony fights, as he got bigger, his hands were still the same size. And power doesn't yeah. translate when you move up in weight. You know, guys, except when you're Manny Pacquiao and whatever Manny Pacquiao had that needle in his ass. Like, <laughs> hey, I'm just saying. <laughs> it is what it is. But I think, I think Canelo gets killed against Gennady Golovkin. So that's just my yeah. take. That's just my take. So, Andrew, before we get you out of here, what is your official prediction on Mayweather Burdo? What's going to happen? Oh, I mean, Mayweather, easy uh, decision. I don't think Mayweather will finish him. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, Mayweather, easy decision. Uh, hopefully they sell the tickets. I wouldn't I wouldn't want him to have a low-selling final fight. Um, I think they will eventually. I mean, we still got some time. But, uh, yeah, just I, I can't see Mayweather knocking out. Maybe they throw in the towel. Maybe it gets so... Um, Abusively throw in the towel. Um, I, I do want to say one thing though, because you guys were mentioned about the young fighters coming up. Um, did you guys see the fight with Luis Colazo and Keith Thurman? Oh yes. yeah, I mean, what the fuck happened? Thurman fell asleep, and he's lucky because Andreas wants Luis to see had him. Yo, uh, and I'm a big Thurman fan, like, as far as the young guys are concerned. Like, I, I think Thurman is the best of that next class. And he made me look really bad when I was talking him up on that show. Because Andres has a different fighter he thinks can beat Keith Thurman. Yeah, I, I'm, all, I'm on the Errol Spence train. Errol, Errol Spence, Spence Jr. Hello? Yeah, you good? Hello? Andrew. You guys are breaking up. Oh, can you hear us? Yeah, now I can hear you. All right, yeah. Uh, Andres thinks Errol Spence can beat Keith Thurman. And I think that's a little crazy right now. But Keith didn't make no, me look dude, good. that kid Errol Spence is legit, dude. I think he's the next guy. That, there we go. I think he's the next guy. And uh, I don't want to see him fight Keith right now, though. But in two years, I want to see him go at it. And I think Keith wins that fight. Nope. I don't know, It might be I first mean, out of three. It might be that dope trilogy everyone's looking for. But I think Keith gets him now. And then maybe Errol grows into beating him two out of three. Nope. I don't know what happened, man. I'm watching this fight, and I'm watching Luis walk down Keith Thurman and bully him, right? Mm-hmm. And then, I don't, this guy 
breaks my heart because I love Louis Colazzo. I really love him. I just I love him as a fighter. I think he's a smart fighter. I like how he fights. He engages. He stays in there. Lots of head movement. Great counters. And he doesn't mind getting hit. But like, it's just like, weird stuff will happen. Like where when he fought Amir Khan, I'm like, okay, you're just gonna walk him down, and then all of a sudden you get finished. Like, yeah. and the same thing happened with Keith Thurman. He's walking down. He's got him hurt. He's bullying him, and then. A headbutt and you can't see. It almost makes me feel, and I'm dead serious. It almost makes me feel like he's paid to lose. <laughs> when I when I saw that uh, when I saw that Colossal fight, I literally went in there and I'm like, he's bullying this man. He could finish this man, and then the next round it's a total turnaround. I'm like, man, is he getting paid to lose? He could be the setup guy. Hey, it's a legit question because Colazzo. I mean, if people don't remember, but I when Colazzo fought Andre Berto, I had Colazzo beating Berto. This is years ago. Uh huh. And I, it, I had to be winning that fight. Mm hmm. So and people tend to forget how tough Colazzo is, and when that Thurman fight happened, I was like, that's kind of fishy because Colazzo hurt I mean, him. When Colazzo fought Hatton, people had Colazzo beating Hatton. Exactly. Colazzo's a hard luck guy. Colazzo was the titleist. He's a hard luck guy. Luis Colazzo and Emmanuel Augustus are two of the most hard luck boxers you'll ever see fight. Yeah, Colazzo, yeah. it seems like he hurts everyone. It's just such an ugly style that I don't think people like it. Because it's not pretty. He ain't dancing. He walks straight into people, and his whole game plan is to corner them against the ropes and throw a punch, just trade punches. I love yep. it. And then, like, judges are looking probably for the sweet science of it all. He's no sweet science. He's my hands Dude, are I mean, stronger than yours. I'm coming to knock you out, or you're going to knock me out. We're not taking this anywhere else. I don't know, man. I, I see him, and I see him go in there, and I, I don't know. I see I, I see strategy, and I see that he's a you know, savvy boxer, but, like, ugh, man, it just breaks my heart. Dude. And he really, in, in my opinion, exposed Thurman. Yep. Thurman's in killer point. instinct has went somewhere, and I don't know if he can get that back. That ain't, that ain't going somewhere. He's just fighting tougher guys. That's all it is. At one time, it's yeah. gone right now. And he needs to find it. I mean, even his fight against Guerrero, I'm like, yo, come on. Like, let's yeah, get him out Guerrero of here. Yeah, that Guerrero fight, I thought he handled his business. I, I want him to get him out of here early. Like, you showcasing all your skills. He's switching to southpaw, coming back. Like, all right, we get it. You're a talented fighter. Here, here, I'm going to give y'all I'm gonna give y'all a report. I haven't even reported this yet. But I talked to uh, Kenny Porter, Sean Porter's dad. Sean Porter has put in the call to fight Keith Thurman in December. Really? That's going to be tough. <laughs> yep. They're, wow. hoping, they're hoping I, Keith signs the contract, but Kenny told me firsthand. He said, "Look, we put in the call. Danny Garcia turned this down. We're looking at Keith Thurman. We're hoping to get him in December." Who turned it down? Uh, Danny Garcia turned down the fight with Sean Porter. Smart, smart really? decision by Danny Garcia. This is according to Kenny Porter. I mean, he could and be that's lying. At one forty-seven. Yeah. Yep. Danny doesn't want wow. those problems at one forty-seven. It's a race to well, see him knock out Danny first. Here's the thing. I like Sean Porter, and he impressed me in that fight with uh, with Adrian, but um, Adrian sat him down in that 12th round. Yeah, he fell asleep at the wheel and got clocked. So, I mean, here's the thing. Adrian don't really have pop. You know, Keith got pop. Be interesting. So, it's, I, like, I, mean, I want to see it. Sean's not stopping, though. His motor is what carries him. He could swarm yeah, Keith, but Keith has to play, fight at range. Yo. He got to pick his spots. He has to go for it, though. When he rocks him, he can't sit back and just be comfortable. He has to start taking yeah. people out of there. And his killer instinct Man. is just gone. 
I think boxing is in a great, great shape. I think everybody was worried that, uh, I think everybody was worried, oh, what happens after Mayweather? But I think there's a lot of young guys that are exciting. I think that Al Heyman getting boxing on TV regularly and getting away from the pay-per-view model is just smart. Like, just get it in the people's face. You know, make them realize, like, you know, drug dealers, they, they get a new drug, they got to give a little away. Give the coke away. Then when people find out that they like the coke, they'll buy it. That blue magic. Give some away. You know what I mean? Like, get us addicted first. So. (laughs) That's good stuff. Street politics. I love it. Well, let's welcome on another guest then, because we got him on the phone. It's about that time. All right, cool. Let's bring him on. Yo, what up? What up? This is your man, Royce the 5'9". I'm representing Detroit. I'm representing Bad Meets Evil. I'm representing Slaughterhouse. I'm representing Prime. What up, my guys? What up? That's a lot of affiliations. Yeah. I like it. See, busy man, yo. Busy man. Yeah, he's a busy man. I, I've been trying to get him on the show for a minute. Um, we finally getting to talk about this fight. But, but before we even get started, um, a lot of cats don't know how big of a boxing fan you are. So kind of, when when did you become such a big boxing fan? Was it was from you were a kid or what? Yeah, I mean, you know how, how some people say as far back as I care to remember? Mm-hmm. I don't re- there isn't a memory that I have where I wasn't into boxing. Like, I, I don't remember a time where I wasn't, where my whole family wasn't into boxing. Like, I don't even know how far back I remember in terms of me being a child. But I don't think I even remember being in diapers and not watching boxing. Honestly. That's, see, that, that's, that, that's, that's what's up. That's how, that's how people used to grow up. Before everything went to pay-per-view yeah. and everything was kind of weird and whack. Like, now we get to see it on TV again. But before, we all woke up. We all were anticipating it the whole weekend. We sat down with our family, cooked some good food, and watched the fights. I remember watching those fights yeah. growing up all the time, all the time. My uncle was a my uncle was a professional fighter. He was a professional fighter. He's a welterweight, and uh, he used to have us. He's a welterweight and a black belt in karate. So he used to have us at the boxing gym and at, and in the karate dojo, like Damn. all the time. Damn, all our guests have boxed before. Yeah, that's some, that's some Everybody weird. got hands now. Hey. I guess nobody. Yeah, I don't think so- you should. I don't think. I don't think you can. Um, you should be able to be successful in hip hop if you ain't been punched in the face at least once. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, but that, that, that so that, that eliminates so many of these new rappers because there's so many of these cats yeah. that haven't been punched in the face before. Yeah, and I mean that that'll keep you from getting punched in the face after you're successful, you know, because then, then you'll know how to move around and you won't want that to happen again. <laughs> so it's like, you know how to treat people. That's how you learn respect. Yeah, I can't. I can't picture a young thug rocking a skirt and getting in many fights growing up. So, I think it's a different era of rappers right now. That that's something lost on the game. Yeah, well, that's all good. <laughs> but we got Floyd coming up. So we tried to link up before the last fight, before Pacquiao, when everyone was picking Pacquiao and buying into the hype. And Floyd washed him, and then now he chooses Berto for what he says is his last fight. Uh, what do you think about the matchup of this fight? Um, you know what, man? Berto, I've always been a big Berto fan. Berto is one of those guys who I've been uh, I've been riding with, even when he hasn't been. Uh, I'm not gonna say he's let me down a few times. Yeah, he has. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's taking it a little far. He, he, he didn't let me down. I, I mean, I hate I hate seeing him let himself down. Let me put it like that. I don't like seeing him let himself down. I don't like seeing guys so naturally born talented and perform up under what their ability is for whatever reason. 
you know, whether it's they're hanging out or whatever's happening. I don't like to see it. I ain't like seeing it with Zab Judah. I think Zab should have went further than he did. You know what I'm saying? And I think um, the people that gave that gave Floyd problems historically, you know, we got them, you know, on on, on, on one hand, we can count them. So we can say Shane, Zab, right? Mm-hmm. Shane and Zab, definitely. Pacquiao was capable of reaching out and touching him. He just got flustered and didn't really know what to do. You know what I'm saying? Zab actually beat him to the punch. Right. Zab was beating Floyd to the punch. Now, all the time that I've been a Berto fan, I've always put him in the category with Zab and Mosley. I actually had Berto beating Mosley when they were going to fight that time. I, I was did. picking Berto for that fight. I did too. I did too. I had Berto win that fight if they would have fought. I thought Mosley was kind of cooked at that time too. Dog, and I do, at, at, the, you know, at the bottom of my heart, Shane and Floyd, when they said they, when they announced that flight, I, that fight, I knew at, at the bottom of my heart, Shane was going to crack Floyd. I knew it. I knew he was going to catch him. You know what I'm saying? And I, it's like, Berto, I think, is capable of hitting Floyd. You know, my daughter was catching him with the jab. Floyd just been getting touched a lot more lately. I think Berto is capable of putting up a better fight stylistically. He's capable of putting up a better fight than people are giving him credit for. I think it's kind of unfortunate that he's not really getting the credit, you know, that he deserves as a um, reputable opponent. You know, he's a he's a he's a real he's a real for real welterweight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think it's gonna be a better fight than people. I think he is capable of pushing Floyd. You know, I'm still picking Floyd. I'm still picking Floyd for sure. I think Floyd is the best. Period. You know what I mean? Even 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 though he slowed down a little bit, he's still he's still Jordan shooting the fadeaway. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like period period. He was a high flying dunker. Now he's just getting you in the post and turning around and gunning you with a, with a fadeaway. Like he's in the second gear of his career and his style. Like he's not dependent on a lot of his young man reflexes like he used to do. He's just he's smart, man. So I'm I'm always gonna go with Floyd. I don't think there's a fighter out there right now that can beat him. But I think that Berto is going. Number one, I'm glad that Berto is getting this opportunity. You know what I'm saying? But I think Berto is going to put up a better fight than people are giving him. It's so weird, like, because no one is giving Berto a chance, and if Floyd walks away, because he said he is, he said this is the end, this is the last fight on his resume, the last fight on his legacy, do you think he's going to end up in people's top five, the best ever conversation, or does this take him right out of that? No, 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 no. He's going to be in the top five. Like, there's nothing. You can't take him away from the top five just because you like the way he act outside the ring. You know what I'm saying? Like, it don't work like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can tweet, blog, and do whatever you want to. That man's a top five fighter, period. You know what I mean? It's like, you might not like the way that he did things. He might not be fun for you to watch, but in terms of when it comes down to the sweet science, he did it in a way that nobody's done it before. So, you know, and I think it. I think it is cool that he's walking away, you know, with his with his mind intact and not a lot of punishment. I think that's really cool. Well, that's the interesting no. thing because a lot of people say, you know, he's he's gonna come back for fifty. And I, I talked to him today. I talked to him at the gym a few weeks ago. I don't see him fighting another fight after this. I don't think he's here to, to appease anybody. And I think he wants to walk away with a nine hundred million dollar bank account and be like, "Fuck y'all, I'm done." I don't think he should. If he does do that, I don't think he should spend a lot of. I don't think he should take a lot of time off. No, nah, well, definitely. If he, not. If, if he comes back, if he comes back two years later, like forty years old, I'm not. It's gonna be hard for me to bet on him. Or something. You yeah, know what it's I mean? a whole like, whole different game in two years. Yeah, man. These guys, they getting hungrier, stronger. 
you know, like the new era of God, they, they you know, they, they're just more equipped and fit, you know, to come to come at you. Like these guys like Thurman and Terrence Crawford, my God, you know what I'm saying? Like it's time for them to take over boxing. You know, Floyd laid down a great foundation. He turned a lot of fighters into thinkers. He, he made a lot of fighters more business savvy. You know, I remember a point in time when I was young and my uncle was fighting. It was the Bob Aram Don King show. You know, fighters just showed up and was just happy to be making anything. You know what I mean? So I commend Floyd for opening that door for younger fighters. You know what I'm saying? And I don't think he needs to prove anything in terms of having to beat those younger fighters. They're so much younger than him. Like, it's like, well, what do I want to see Floyd fight Danny Garcia for? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you're talking to two whole different eras. But, I mean, we saw him fight Canelo. It drew a lot of interest. It was damn near, what, 15 years between their ages? And we saw him handle someone younger. It made for an exciting fight. But, like you said, these younger guys are just going to get hungrier. Are you kind of upset that you don't get to watch them against maybe a Keith Thurman, a Sean Porter, someone even of that caliber who you look at in 10 years and be like, yo, this guy is going to be the truth or might have their own Hall of Fame career? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not that I won't watch the fight. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying... Um, he doesn't have that to prove. You know, if he goes and he starts messing with these younger guys, he starts beating up on the younger guys and just, like, getting them with his ring generalship and outsmarting them. Like, you never know what that'll do to that young fighter's spirit or his confidence or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you, like, he, he a virtuoso, so he basically what he's doing is tampering with the future of boxing by beating those guys. He don't have to. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to see Sean Porter be the greatest he can be. I don't want him dragging around Floyd Mayweather baggage. Like, there's no need. You know what I mean? Like, I just, that's per, that's my personal preference as a fan. You know what I mean? But I, I don't think it's necessary. I think Floyd beat everybody out there that he needs to beat. I think he can retire right now. He, he doesn't need to come back and prove anything. He's going he's gonna to be at the Hall of Fame ceremony. He's going to be in everybody's top ten. Maybe not top five, but definitely top ten. So where does he land? Where does he land on your personal list? Well, well, right now, well, my top ten is always it starts with Sugar Ray Robinson. Like there, there hasn't been a fighter that can beat him out. Period. Um, Sugar Ray Robinson and Muhammad Ali. You know, they might. I, I can't say that I could put Floyd before Sugar Ray Leonard, but I think they. I, I think they're they're very close on my list somewhere. You know, how when you got lists they can interchange, but I pretty much Sugar Ray. And I'm just talking about my favorite fighters, Sugar Ray Robinson, Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard, Mike Tyson, Roy Jones, Pernell Whitaker, Floyd, um, George Foreman is one of my favorite fighters. All right, so you gave us kind of your top 10, but we have other fights coming up, and there's a lot of good fighters, young fighters, looking to take the throne now that Floyd is leaving. One of the fights we have right. is Triple G coming up, and then we also have Canelo in November, which one of the young fighters really catches your eye? Um, you know, my favorite young fighter is Terrence Crawford. Yeah, that's like <laughs> it's by far. He's by far my my favorite fighter. I mean, I think. Ooh. I think I think he'll beat anybody out there. Though. Like I, I really do. You know At one forty-seven, um, you think he move, he can I move up I to one forty-seven? I think he should. He should make his way to one forty-seven. I don't think he should rush. Okay. He should make his, he should make his way to 147 and take his time, but I think it's just he just need the experience. He just need the experience to just keep taking the fight. You know what I'm saying? Once he 
Once he gets up to 140, he should sit. He should stay there for a, a minute. Clear the division out. And then when he jumps to 47, stay there for a minute. Clear the division out and, and, and possibly close up there. Once he gets a little bit older, make, maybe do a couple fights like at a catchweight 150 or some shit like that if he needs to, depending on what's out there. But, yeah, man, like he the dog. I'm telling you, man, you can tell he'll watch away. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, you can tell he'll watch away. Like, he, he eventually going to end up there anyway. Yeah, I'm kind of mad we didn't get to see him versus Danny Garcia. Like, ah, he washes Danny Garcia. I, I wanted to see that fight at 140, but Danny took, you know, he took where the money's at right now, and he jumped already. Yeah, as he should. You know, Danny. I think Danny is. Um, I don't think Danny's the best that he's gonna be, but I think he's good enough to start pushing himself to, you know, to fight in better competition and start to, you know. Jump into that superstar superstar spot. I think he's seasoned enough now, and I think like he, this is the best, almost the best that we gonna see of him. He might get a little bit better, but he's ready. I agree. I don't think Danny's only. I'm, I'm not a big Danny Garcia guy. I've probably said it a million times. I think he's good, but I think guys like Terrence Crawford, Keith Thurman, um, Errol Spence. I think they all kill him. That's just my yeah, opinion. Yeah, but they got. But it's like it's kind of like obvious that they have a little bit more natural. You know what I'm saying? Like, Danny, his heart, you know what I'm saying? Like, his heart, is. I love that kid so much. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't, he's not as naturally gifted in terms of boxing. He got that, that he got that pop, he got that punch, you know what I'm saying? But his boxing ability, he always has problems against boxing. You know what I'm saying? And that's like, but his heart, his heart makes him win those fights. Yeah, he, he steps up to the I, level like, of whoever he's I fighting. Have him, yeah, I didn't have him beating Lamont Peterson. I had Lamont Peterson. I had Lamont Peterson ahead in that fight, but I thought Lamont Peterson threw the fight out the window with that strategy. He threw the win out the window. He waited too long, man. That was my my argument was Lamont was he fought he had a good strategy if he started it two rounds early. Yeah, because he had he had him in his pocket. He had him fooled. He couldn't do nothing. He couldn't he couldn't do shit with Lamont Peterson. Nah, and that's like, Lamont that Peterson. Like, yeah, he could he couldn't do nothing with him, you know what I mean? And that's like really, really, really skilled fighters, guys that fight like they've been boxing their whole lives, you know what I'm saying? That skill. I know Danny been he been he been cracking since he was a kid, but he's a tough kid, he's a tough guy. So we just talked with Andrew Schultz and it came out on Dre's dropped the bombshell that Garcia turned down the fight for Sean Porter, allegedly. And uh Sean Porter is now trying to offer that fight to Keith Thurman. What would you what do you think about that matchup? Porter, Thurman and do you think Garcia should have took the fight? Um, that's interesting because Garcia, you know, I've been seeing Angel. He's been doing interviews talking about Pacquiao. Mm-hmm. So I think um, if, if 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 there's anything in the air looming, you know, with a with, with a fight between Garcia and Pacquiao or a possibility, I would, if I was Danny, I probably would sit and wait for it. I probably would. You know what I mean? Because because Pacquiao is a, he's a He's kind of a target right now. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. The young fighters feel like they could beat him now. Don't get me wrong. He's still Pacquiao. <laughs> That's what I think a lot of people forgetting. He's still Pacquiao. But he looks beatable. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's like the younger fighters see blood when it comes to him. So I mean it's it's smart to sit back and wait, you know what I'm saying? And so Porter Porter Thurman, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's the good one. Um I'm going with Thurman um, to have the better boxers, the, the better boxing skill. But mm-hmm. Porter is a dog. Porter is a dog, man. He like he like I, 
his kind of style I call he's like a dog. Like when we were growing up, and somebody to fight like that, they're like a dog. You could tell that they can street fight too. You really? know what I mean? Like <laughs> Porter fight, Porter, Sean Porter fight, like he'll pick you up, throw you down, and just pound you out like a UFC fight. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so, so Keith, I think Keith Thurman would have to go for the knockout, bro. Like honestly, like I, I, I wouldn't, I can't see Sean Porter not gonna stop coming. Yeah, that's you know, a- but um. We forget Sean fought at 168. Like, people forget that kid was a super middleweight when he started fighting. Yo, I mean, yo, A.B., when he fought A.B., man, A.B. had this look on his face the whole fight. Like, damn, man, like, why don't you stop coming? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like get tired. Give me something. a break. Yeah, just give me, just give me a second. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was all in, the, he was all in his chest the whole time. You know what I mean? So, I think Sean Porter is a dangerous, a dangerous opponent, you know, for anybody. But, um... Hadn't Kell Brook, if Kell Brook hadn't outboxed him, you know, um, a lot of times when these young fighters, when they get, when they get beat a certain way, it kind of gives all the trainers, it kind of alerts all the trainers, you know, this is the, this is the, uh, this is the code right here. This is how you beat this fighter. And that's something that hasn't happened with Floyd. And I think that's what makes it so difficult to put a strategy together for him. So, um, I think Kell Brook kind of laid out the blueprint a little bit, or at least somewhat of a blueprint to beat him, you know? So I think if he were to do that, along with his power, I think he would give Sean Porter some problems. And I think Sean Porter, the way that he fights, just coming at you, and the strength that he has, will give Thurman some problems. You know, we've seen Thurman, we've seen Keith just get hurt, you know, to the body. Right. We've seen him just get hurt to the body. So, I mean, I think that would be a good one. All right. So, so here, you know, I, you know, I've asked this question. We ask this question to everybody. Is Gennady Golovkin the real deal or not? I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't know, man. Like, I, I think, I think, um, if I listen to the media, yeah, he is. But I haven't seen nothing with my eyes that's, that's showing me that he's the real deal. I mean, I seen him knock some people out. He can punch. You know what I'm saying? Like, I seen him knock some guys out because he hits hard. Dog, I see. I, I grew up seeing that everywhere. <laughs> Basketball court, high school, nightclub. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. Kid could punch. All right, that's it. You know what I'm saying? Like, show me something. Show, show me. I'm not. I, I haven't arrived to the, the Gennady Glufkin party yet, man. I haven't <laughs> arrived to that party. All right, y'all, y'all. So, all, yeah, I'll give y'all a hall pass. I'll give all of you guys a hall pass. That dude's for real. <laughs> yeah, you throw that. You throw that kid in there with Andre Ward. You gonna see him get embarrassed. That's well, a whole nother, that's, that's a whole nother fight. Like we ain't talking. <laughs> like has to happen, as yo. much as I like Triple G, a fight with Andre Ward. I think Andre needs another fight or two because I think he's still knocking the rust off. But yeah, that's I mean Andre Ward's the second best fighter in the world right now. If he's if he's active, yeah. Ward's just not yeah. active. He's fucking off his own career. Uh, if he takes why, that why, undercard, why, why, why does everybody? Why does everybody feel like? That Golovkin can just—it's just so automatic that he can beat Canelo. Like, why? Why do people feel like that? Like, I, I don't—I don't get it. The size difference. It ain't the size. Look, to me, it's the size difference. Like, a, you're 160. He's knocking people out easily at 160. If he goes down to 154, his power translates better. And Canelo's never been hit by someone who punches that hard. I mean, this isn't Angulo. Like, you're about to get rocked. So. The trans, like Gennady fighting someone lighter than him, I'm okay with that. Like he beat Cotto, Canelo, Andre Ward is 168. It's a whole different world fighting someone bigger than you. Kovalev, Ward, his power might not hurt them. Canelo, who's smaller, I, I think he, I think he handles. Him. And Canelo yeah, loves to you get know hit. What? I mean, I, I can, I can, I guess I can kind of understand that that way of looking at it. 
I, can, I definitely can understand that because it makes sense. It makes sense from a from a cerebral standpoint. But I I just I just feel like me watching Golovkin. As soon as I've seen him have problems with boxers, and I haven't really seen him in there with a puncher, so my mind is telling me as soon as he gets in there with a boxer puncher, somebody's gonna damn near kill him. <laughs> he that's gets hit. He gets hit a lot. Man, I, hey, I, that's all he do is get hit. He can't box. He just I, punch. He just he just be going in the club and people like a caveman. <laughs> Man, y'all be killing me with this. Look, oh, he gets hit. I, 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 I will say this again: three hundred and fifty-seven. Fights in the amateur and professional level, he's never been knocked down or hurt in a fight. And he's fought Boutte, he's fought Andre Durrell in the Olympics, he's fought a lot of talented guys. And it's like people are seeing him now and just seeing him trucking through people, but they can't hurt him. Nobody, they, these guys can't hurt him. And Canelo, I don't think Canelo has a shot in hell against well, him. Who, is he, who, who has he fought that's capable of hurting him? I mean, he, we'll see what happens against David Lemieux. I mean, Curtis Stevens could punch. I mean, people can't front. Stevens could punch, and he couldn't hurt him. Or yeah, move him. Curtis Stevens could punch. You know? Yeah, but that kid, um, what was that last kid that he just fought? Um, that that uh, Golovkin just fought. Who, Willie Monroe? What was my man? Yeah, Willie Monroe, the slick, the little slick kid. He had like a, uh, what was that? The four, was it the fourth round? It was the fourth round, man. He dominated. He dominated Golovkin, bro. Yeah, and he got put That's to sleep. Fourth, yeah. Was it the fourth <laughs> round or was it the sixth round? It was one of those rounds because I was watching it at the studio and I was cutting vocals at the same time. And I came out and watched the fourth round when it was on. It was one of those rounds, man. And it was like a clinic, a, a boxing clinic. You know what I mean? And it was like, oh, man, this dude ain't no superstar. If this is happening like this, you know what I'm saying? So it's like Canelo, I think, will beat him kind of easy. All right, we'll see, because that fight's going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, because Canelo's going to beat Cotto. Cotto. Cotto ain't ready for all that. Um, Canelo's going to beat him in November. And then... Yeah, see, there you, go, there you go again, man. It's like you're just saying stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Man, look. He's giving Cotto no chance. I, I, look, I give Cotto a chance. Not giving, how you not giving Cotto a chance? No, I bro. give him a chance. I give him a chance. Don't get me wrong. Cotto is looked great under Freddie Roach. But I do think fighting Canelo is a different beast than fighting a bum-ass knee Sergio Martinez. Yeah, no, no you, you're absolutely right with oh, that. Yeah. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, Cotto just, he's just the kind of dude you just don't count out, man. You don't count Cotto out under any circumstance. I give him a chance, but I think Canelo's going to win that fight. Arguably, Canelo lost two of his last three fights. Floyd should have lost to Lara and beat Angulo. I, I had a, look, look, I had Canelo beating Lara, and I, I don't care what anybody says. You can't. The, Laura was on his bicycle way too long for that fight. He could barely hit Laura. Laura could barely, barely hit him either. That was well, Laura's shit, then problem. Then it's a wash. Hey. But he ain't dominate Laura. So it, yeah, I'm not. I'm not betting. I'm not betting against Cotto. I'm not betting against Canelo. Like it's, the, both of those guys, they they two of my favorite guys, and they both dangerous. I think this makes for a super, super, super great fight. But you can't just count Cotto. Can't count Cotto out, man. I'm not counting him out. I'm just not picking him to win. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just not picking Cotto. I think Cotto is an amazing. Like I said, I think he looks great. His footwork's a lot better with Freddie. Um, there are still little nagging things that I when I watch him fight that he makes little mistakes. That I think Canelo, if he's ready, can capitalize on. Um, but it's all really going to depend on how Cotto fights this fight because we know what Canelo's going to do. Canelo's coming at you. Cotto could outbox him. Canelo coming, you know, Canelo got that boxing skill, too. Canelo got all the tools. He got all the tools. He got all the tools, but Cotto is just tough, man. 
Canelo has oh, to put it together okay. for 12. That, that's my only thing with it. I need to see it for 12. Because the Laura fight, like, towards the end of the fight, I was like, yo, there's no urgency. There's no urgency to finish anyone. And Gulo, to me, was, like, his best fight, just for the eye test. But there's just no urgency he in must, his game. He must, have just, he, must, he must have just... That Kirkland fight must have been so bad to you, you just forgot it. <laughs> oh, no, he did yeah, watch Kirkland. He, he killed... <laughs> James Kirkland, <laughs> got, he got no, crucified. No, it been so bad, he just forgot about it. He just, just, <laughs> no. just got wiped out your mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he did watch him. I, man, Canelo, he's still so young, he's getting better. So what can I say about him? He's only going to get better. I'm it's scary you, how young. Look, I'll say I've so, said it a million times. Once Canelo learns how to speak English, it's over. As far as crossover yeah. appeal, that kid's got to learn how to speak English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. He got to learn how to speak English, and he's gonna take over. Yep. He's gonna take over. Well, he's the biggest pay per view star now after Saturday because no one else is selling anything. So he's the biggest star in boxing. He's gonna have to do something, and he can't lose to Cotto because then, then what for boxing? Oh, he's Mexican. He can still fight. Mexicans can lose a million times. They, 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 the country's still gonna be behind you. I tell you, I tell you what, dog. Whoever wins, whoever win the um the, the Cotto Canelo fight should fight Golovkin, and whoever that winner is, I'm going with that person. I think Cotto or Canelo can beat either Cotto or Canelo could beat Golovkin. Well, goddamn it, we'll have you on the show as soon as that shit happens, because <laughs> I'm not riding with that theory, y'all. Y'all be y'all be slamming my man Golovkin. Think he's not uh, he's the real deal. His power's legit. I'm not, I'm, not to, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to slam him. I mean, I think I see why he's getting you know pushed like that. He's exciting to watch. You know what I'm saying? Like I think he's very, very, very fun to watch. But you know, I, I don't put him in there with the guys, the real, real, real boxers. I don't put him. I don't put him on that level. I don't think he's in the weight division where he can really prove himself. Like he's gonna have to go somewhere where he's fighting somebody that's gonna really push him. All right, well, you can have that. <laughs> so far, nobody agrees with you on Triple G. Yo, everybody, I've, I've had this argument with everybody about Triple G. And people are like, yo, the, the media hypes him up, blah, blah, blah. Gotta prove it. I will record all these conversations and play them shits back to you about a year from now. And we'll see if we're still having the same conversation. Shit. <laughs> so, nigga, right. before, yeah. before my, we... My, my, my word, this is the same thing. This is the same thing. Remember how they was pushing Bruce Lyon providing the call? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but bro, that's not the same shit. Provodnikov was overrated. Everybody saw that. Nah, nobody thought he was overrated until he got beat, bro. You nah, know what I'm saying? It. Like, that's what I'm saying. Nobody, nobody, everybody talked about Ruslan the same way they talked about Triple G until he got, until he went in there and got exposed, and then that was it. <laughs> then he's gone. Shit, all right, y'all, y'all, like I, I said. I mean, he ain't, he ain't necessarily gone, but I mean, he's not, you know, in that same spot. Like, media don't push anybody who's a type. They're going to push him, push him, push him, especially, you know, good-looking guy like Golovkin. You know what I'm saying? He say funny shit in the interviews. But somebody, if he's going to get in there with a boxer, they're going to, they man, I'm telling you, Canelo is going to expose that kid, man. We'll have to have Royster 5'9 back on the show because it looks like Golovkin and Canelo are on a crash course in 2016. So that's our recap show. Some of our best, best moments of 2015. The year's coming to an end. But there's bigger and better things ahead for the Corner Podcast. Next week, we'll be bringing you tons of coverage from UFC 194. And before we get out of here, we're going to leave you with a little bit of one of our latest episodes where I had guest co-host Ryan McKinnell from Yahoo Sports on to talk about the top five artists all time in hip-hop. It was our personal top fives. And once again, Andres had to come back and say, God damn it, Kel, because of my list. 
listen to that, and tune in next week for a brand new episode of the Corner Podcast from UFC 194 in Las Vegas. We are going to be discussing the top five greatest MCs of all time, which has me terrified that there might be a murder out here in Henderson, Nevada. Listen, my top five list isn't even controversial, believe yeah? it or not. Yeah, really? people are going to be like, I, oh, man. I like, find that. Oh, shit. Kel's talking, talking the truth, speaking that gospel right now. I find that incredibly hard to believe. Listen, until <laughs> I put, like, Max B in the top five or something. <laughs> Jada, um, Jada kiss. <laughs> yo, Jada. Okay, so Jada oh, spurned God. this whole top yeah. five Dead or Alive debate. His top five Dead or Alive album comes out on Friday. Um, and a lot of people were just talking, like, man, who's in your top five Dead or Alive? Jada feels as though he's in it. A lot of people have been putting <laughs> Jada in their top five. Whatever. It's one of those things you just speak it into existence. So people feel Jada is in their top five, and I'm like, okay. Like um, how like Kim Kardashian's a celebrity for anything other than like a sex tape? Fucking. Yeah, I mean, it's the world we live in. Yeah. It's the world we live in. So people put Jada in their top five. He is not in mine. So I figured we start off the show with our top five, Dead or Alive. Oh, hip-hop God. artists it's our five favorite so it's not the best lyricists it's not the best fitters of all time it's not the people who had the most reach in terms of popularity or album sales yeah or even cultural relevance it's not that it's everything that we like about an artist our top five usually i go first but since you are the guest i will let you go first i am gentlemanly well before we get started on this i want to preface this by saying i hate lists especially for something subjective as art. Um, and when you're talking about MCs, I still think the Holy Trinity rings true. I think Nas, Biggie, and Pac, by and large, are the three greatest MCs to ever touch a mic. For all different reasons, I'd say Big and Nas were a little bit similar. But this is our personal five MCs, and on our personal five MCs, I don't have them in my list. I have Nas on my list, and that's where we'll start. I, I'm not taking him off any list because Illmatic was just the dopest shit that's ever been made. And you take into account when that album was made. And, I, and honestly, I don't care what he did with the rest of his career. When he put out Uchi Wally, I was, I was indignant. <laughs> I lost my shit. No, I'm serious because that was at a time when everyone was at war. Like, it's like kind of how it is now. You got Kendrick, you got Lupe, you got guys out there spitting real shit. And then you got dudes out here I've never even heard of, like Fetty Wap and Drake. Like, yo, I don't really get what the fuck Drake is. Could you explain Drake to me before we get into this? Because, like, to me, Drake's just, like, a dude who's, like, like clean like my wife, like, a kid from Toronto, nice on the mic, fine, but what is he saying? What is he doing for hip-hop? To me, hip-hop's always been somewhat militant. It's always been something about, like, pulling nah, back, peeling Drake, back the onion and, like, you Drake, know what I mean? Showing, showing the world something special. And this dude's, what's he saying? Drake he's, you know, is, for all purposes, Nelly today. I, I, he okay. I he is the that. first person to break out from a particular area that isn't a power section. If we like, if this was college football, there's the power five. You're telling conferences. me Toronto power he's, Drake? He's Boise State superstar. Okay. Yeah, he's Boise, Boise State, State, and that's huh? what makes him popular because he's off the grid. He's not in like New York. He wasn't repping Miami or Atlanta. Or L.A. Okay. He was from somewhere different, just like Nelly was when he exploded. Okay. And sands, Nelly the, sands the blue field. Yeah, and he wasn't, you know, trying to be the most hardcore okay. rapper. Now you got, like, Trap Drake, kind of. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Joe like, calls it's, like, him dude, it's like, we don't believe you, but you can spit however you want to spit. Well, people, like to, people like to believe Rick Ross, too, that yeah. he wasn't. I and mean, hip-hop's, 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 yeah, but that's the thing. It's hip-hop's like, what pro are, wrestling. 
Yeah, it really is. It is kind of, and that's interesting that you bring that up. And before we get too deep on this, I think it's important to get back to the list because, as you said, I didn't even know about this. I didn't even know why we had to talk about this. Um, I didn't even know about Jada Kiss's album. I mean, I'm a hip-hop fan, but I'm a hip-hop fan. Like, Drake doesn't concern me. Like, when Lupe, J. Cole, Kendrick, they're they're on some real shit. Even, like, ASAP Rocky, like, his little rock star East Coast thing, his little LSD stuff, and, like, his kind of, he's got a little bit of mystique about him. I dig that kid, but... By and large, hip-hop's whack as shit right now. But that's <laughs> what, you know, was great about Nas in 1993 with Illmatic. And, I mean, just that album he puts in there for me to where I could never take him off a list like this. Uh, he was just so nice with it. He was just so ahead of his time. And the songs were so beautifully constructed. Like, I got nothing. I got No one's got anything on that debut. No one's got anything on that. Best hip-hop did it, album yeah, ever. For sure. So just by that and large, Nas is on my list. So Nas is one person on your list. You still got four slots. Yeah. We go, we're going to do them all right now, or do you want to alternate? We can alternate. Is that in order? Is Nas number one? No. So no particular order? Do you want to, I don't know. I don't know how you want to do okay, this. Okay, we could do a particular order. Oh, my God. Let's start five my, my number one. My number one favorite. Well, I just did Nas. We'll start Nas for me at five, which is right around where I put him. It's okay. my personal favorite, just off that one album. Because like I said, when he released Uchi Wally, and, like I, and that was a point I was trying to make. It was kind of a war at hip-hop. You had people... Uh, uh, that were making you know shiny suit music. You had Puffy doing his thing, and Mace was the biggest artist in the world, and Master P was riding on tanks and selling <laughs> you know no limit shirts to you know cl- my classmates in Indiana <laughs> in 1998. It was wild, you know what I mean? There was this there was this kind of split in the culture, and then you had like Raucous Records, and you had like Most Def, and you had Talib, and you had the Roots, and you had Dead Prez, and you had all these people, and, and tons of other people, too. I mean, the West Coast had shit going on that was just fun party music, like the Alcoholics and everything, but there was a stark divide in what hip-hop and rap was at that time, and when Nas released Uchi Wally, it was like when fucking uh, Q-Tip released uh, uh, Vibrant, Vibrant Thing, thing. and you had like, the girls shaking what? their ass in the video, yeah, and you're just like, dude... You 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 killed us. You ripped our fucking heart out. And you know another one who did that, Jay Z, with like money ain't a thing. Yeah, and he all rebounded. That, yeah, like <laughs> he rebounded. He did okay. He but did no, so but right. at that time, I'm just you know taking the listeners back. It was a war, and it is similar to like it is now. You got a bunch of people listening to shit, and then you have a bunch of people with their hands up in the air, kind of like what is going on with this culture that we love. Yeah, um, Nas definitely. I mean, even now he drops. Music that reminds you of oh well his that re- early his dogs. resurrection's been beautiful yeah even with like, the ghost riding and whatever he's what, been it's been listen, sick yeah he he can always take it back and that's what I admire yep. he might not have the consistency yep. of other rappers but when he wants to you'd be like oh no that that's Nas <laughs> right, right I there. saw dude in Vegas at the Boulevard Pool at the Cosmo last year around this time for his twentieth anniversary of Illmatic and yeah, he did the whole album I interviewed him for that shit. dude. Looked like he was 19 years old, performed like he was 19, <laughs> didn't miss a beat, show was live as hell, man. Yo, I love people want to claim hip-hop Illuminati and shit. Yeah. Like, Nas is white, isn't it? <laughs> he doesn't age, like him, Pharrell. Like, there's a certain amount of people who look exactly the same. Yeah, but what about Mario Lopez? He's got nothing to do with uh, hip-hop, hip-hop, and he looks like 14. Yo, I don't, I don't know. There's something in Hollywood. There's something. We, we know that. There. We, we knew that. There. Okay, so you're, so uh, you're five, number five, yeah. My number five, Eminem. Okay. Five for me. Uh, just because of late M, it was just like, oh, all right, man. Like, I, I'm not into what he's turned into. And uh, Wait, 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 wait. Whacked him out. So you're saying you don't like the Eminem now? No, Eminem now is good. I mean, it's okay. I don't like his flow, per se, compared to what he originally did. Right now, he raps a little bit too fast, and his brain's moving on a 1,000. Huh. So I think there's shades of great Eminem back, but... He doesn't know how to slow down anymore. And that was one of my favorite flows 
of Eminem and what made him number five on my list. But, I mean, you can go back to early M, like Outsiders, sure. all that stuff, all the way through Slim Shady LP, through uh, Marshall Mathers LP, and then a little bit of Eminem show. And right there, that span puts him at number five. Yeah. And if he would have carried that on, he would have been way higher on my list. One of my biggest regrets, I didn't start going to, to, to Scribble Jam until 2003, like 2002, 2003. And, I mean, I saw Idea... You know, I saw Atmosphere. I saw Sage Francis perform, like, in the nude in American Flag. I don't know. Like, shit was crazy and everything, but I always regretted not seeing him. I missed him by a few years and his whole uh, battle raps and what he took it to. That's interesting you said now that you don't like him as much because I always, and this I think is a pop more uh, a popular kind of opinion, is when he started doing those voices and he started doing, like, the Indian characters. That was horrible. All, well, that was the worst shit ever. Yeah, that, just erase that. That, that's, that killed his... I mean, yeah, he was drugged out and all that, and he lost proof and all that, but... I mean, it was bad. I couldn't listen to it. Like, the, even the Eminem show, honestly, like, outside of the Slim Shady, even Marshall Mathers LP, like, I'll kill you and all those. So it just felt produced to me. Like, I was of that battle rap, Irk, the, the Raucous Records, and the, the Sway and Tech, you know what I mean? This or that album. I mean, he was a monster. He was yeah. a monster. And no one could have ever thought to where he's ascended to. And you, got, you get no complaints from me, him sitting at number five. And, natural, he, and he, here's the cool thing. Talent, and here's the thing. He's he, up there. And he could climb. Yeah, no, you know, he's five right now, but we don't yeah. know. I mean, he he got time. <laughs> he's nice. He's uh, not stopping. No, he he's definitely putting out a good amount of music, yep. and you know he's just into a different level of production now. He kind of likes the rock type beats and all that stuff. Yeah, but if he wants to take it back and he wants to go like back to some, uh, you know, Kendrick Lamar, like take it back to my roots, acoustic yep. instruments, yep. live band type sound, yep. and he channels that. He may drop his best album yet. Who knows? You know, he's just got to get outside the show. But I agree, and it's interesting you brought up Kendrick, because that's the one I was gonna, I was kind of waiting for. Um, I was gonna have him at number five or number four, but kind of because I led with Nas and I didn't know we were doing out of order, I just go ahead and threw Nas in there. Kendrick was really gonna be my five, but Kendrick is my four, which I have no problem with. Um, and I'm gonna tell you why. I think a lot of people, you know, when you look at Kendrick and oh, he hasn't done this, he hasn't been around long enough. I mean, you could say that, yeah, but a lot of these, I mean, when you talk about Big and Pac, I think we all know they had a limited, you know, catalog to pull from. Definitely. And we got, you know, I always say this, and I've said it in private. I don't like putting it out there in public because it's just like kind of a morbid thing to say, but if Kendrick died tomorrow, he would go down as one of the greatest MCs. And that's not why I'm putting him on my list. And there's list. several people on that list that could have been For said sure. the same thing. Like For sure. Like you say about Ice Cube all the time. Yeah. Like, well, Cube died at like 26. Yeah. He's the greatest rapper of all time. Yep. And I think that would have probably held true because of what he meant to a generation, specifically in, in NWA. Yeah. Um, but what Kendrick means now, and this goes back to the Drake and the Fetty Wap and what at Rick Ross and just all this whack shit. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just the wackest shit. Like, I, I just sit back and I laugh and like people eat it up. Even like ASAP Ferguson stuff. Like, dude. I mean, it is what it is, but it's just sad. I mean, it's mindless. I mean, at least ASAP Rocky's out there, you know, kind of doing something different. Exactly. And talking about stuff. I mean, a lot of the themes on his new album are very, you know, anti-establishment, like, you know, free thinking and yep. kind of encouraging people to open their fucking eyes and ears and learn about what's going on in the world because... You know, times are changing, but that's what's beautiful about Kendrick, getting back to Kendrick and why I have him at number four. Um, it can all be encapsulated in the, the Tabimba Butterfly album cover. I mean, to me, that's everything about Kendrick. He makes people uncomfortable. He doesn't give a fuck what you think. Um, he's going to promote dialogue. He's going to promote discussion. And the thing that I love about this kid more than anything, not a kid, the thing I love about this man more than anything is the time in which he's doing it. 
the yeah. songs that he's creating in the in the era that he's doing it and it is so needed because this the spotlight is on these social issues it's on police brutality it's on about racial inequality and people think this shit's over it's not it's not there's there's I was just healing about and, that yeah. Mizzou shit last yeah. night and like just the craziness like yo you just let KKK people on the campus screaming at well, minorities and shit and like, I, and I are have we an, in 2015 what's going on I can speak from perspective I grew up in Mishawaka Indiana for those who don't know it's Northwest Indiana town Osceola is about 10 minutes away it's a lower you know income type area uh, and the Grand Dragon of the Klan lived there and they had regular Klan rallies now I can tell you by being a citizen and having to kind of put up with this shit. What, here's the way that affected us in two ways. One, you went to the kid, you went to school with the kids. So there were kids that you knew that their parents were racist as shit. They were doing hangmen like drawings on their folders. You know what I mean? In school, and it was black dudes and like kill. You know, and That's I, some and crazy shit. Oh, it's wild, right? But it was it was to us. It was just you know to hip. I mean, we were raised to pro wrestling, hip hop, and Andreas and I, and we talk about this all the time. It's a bonding, unifying type thing. It puts us on an even playing field. People think that shit doesn't matter. I am here to tell you, it matters more than anyone could ever possibly know. Those common ground type things. Anyway, getting back to it, yeah, we just laughed. It was just like, look at these rednecks, dude. Like, you know what I mean? But even then, there was still kind of the you didn't realize that even if you weren't racist, you still sometimes caught yourself being racist and what i'm saying is that institutionalized racism so that deep bred racism the racism that isn't even racism you don't even know you're a racist you see you probably see it all the time relatives or someone sharing something maybe not kel and some of our listeners i mean it's more white america if we're just being honest but they share shit and they don't even know it's racist I'll now listen you, to me i grew uh, up in new york i see that shit all hey, the time I feel every you. other block is there a you different go. culture well there you and go people are like i mean i got i grew up around my puerto rican side and everything right but Yo, just the crazy talk from some uncles and all that, maybe about the Koreans or I about feel the you. Italians. I feel you, but there's that. only one crazy. white versus black. True. There's only one KKK, Emmett Till, beat the fuck out of you for looking at a white girl type racism. And that shit is born, bred, and controlled in America. And I didn't think I was racist, but I still use the N-word. You know what I mean? Well, guess what? You're fucking racist. If you, if you somehow justify it, and I, oh, it's just a word for black trash. No, man. It's not a word for black trash. It's, it's, it's your justification for being ignorant. And I didn't, you don't realize it until you are, it's really hard to put into words. But that's what's beautiful about Kendrick is he's exposing that shit. He's forcing a dialogue. He's forcing people to look inward and to ask why are people so upset? Why is he so militant? And he's not afraid to take it in a direction that might be uncomfortable. So that's why I have him at number four in a very long-winded and open discussion. No, no, that's great, though. Um, number four. So Kendrick's number four. My number four would have to be... Uh, Nas would fit at my number four there you go. for all the reasons you said. Um, I'm a huge Nas fan. I think Illmatic's the best album, hip-hop album ever made. And definitely it's incredible to think he penned that at 1920. Yeah. It, it's just wildly it's like prodigy. out of my mind. It's like yeah, Prodigy like, and Mob Deep when they wrote those songs. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't know how you're that good at that young and can harness that and do something so different than what everyone else is doing. Rhyme patterns, just the way that the beats were even created. There, there was cadences in those beats that weren't done. They were jazz cadences that you shouldn't rhyme over. Right. It shouldn't be possible. And his flow fit perfectly. Shit was revolutionary. Ushered in a whole new era of hip-hop, yeah. arguably. So um, Nas is my number four because of that. So now we're at three. We're at three. Big pun. Nice. Big pun. And then... <laughs> 
you know, with your background, I mean, being from where you're from. Best and flow I, ever, maybe? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, for, you know, this is, and I kind of look at it the same way as, as another guy who just missed my list in, in Method Man. Um, hip-hop, to me, sometimes is just entertainment. Sometimes it's just delivery flow and, like, do you sound like a bad motherfucker on the mic? And Big Pun <laughs> sounded like a bad dude on the mic. He had the swag. Yo, and is a hefty dude myself. He put it down for all the hefty dudes out there, just like Biggie. No shame, you know what I mean? Out there without a shirt on, getting the ladies on him, you know what I mean? Like, you know, that he just had a he had a spirit about him, and and he died way too soon. And uh, we're talking personal favorites here. I don't know. I don't know if this is like you know the nicest for whatever reason, but big puns on my list. Dude was uh, way ahead of his time, and it's in, and he passed too soon, unfortunately. Um, number three for me, I will have to go, and it's tough, man. Because we're talking personal favorites, and I'm in the same ilk of you as you. Um, the Trinity's there. Jay-Z, yeah, yeah. Biggie. No, no, I didn't say Nas. Jay-Z. I said Nas, Biggie, and Tupac. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, Pac would be off my Trinity. Jay-Z, yeah. Biggie, and Nas. And I, I put Pac so, on there more for a cultural yeah. relevance. The dude was, you know, <laughs> so a lot of the same reasons Kendrick That is. would be, like, my top, and you can't really argue that. But now we're talking personal favorites. So three for me, personal favorites, is Joe Budden. And oh my God. you could think, listen, you could think whatever you want about <laughs> Joe Budden, the man. How can you say Joe Budden when dudes whack 50% of the time? I mean, you he, said he's whack 50% he's, of the time? He's hit or miss. He is nowhere near hit and miss. Oh. Like, yo, Mood Music 2, 3, 4, 4 and a half. The OLS series is crazy. Who killed hip hop? Mm. All mm. of these tracks. He has the best mixtape series of all to, time. I need to call Andreas. He has the best mixtape series of all time. I'm out of, I'm out of my music. element. I'm getting, I'm getting upset. <laughs> but it's your personal favorite. Yeah, you know what I mean? Mood Music you is have, the yeah. best mixtape series of all time. I grew up in New York. I grew up on mixtapes. I was at the barbershop every you know, two weeks when someone dropped a new mixtape. I Damn. saw Clue. I saw everyone. I used to pick them up from the little glass case in the front. I used to go to Four U Hats on Allerton Avenue in the Bronx and pick up mixtapes and cop two fitteds every two weeks. And that was what I grew up on. And I can say, mixtape-wise, there was no better. I remember J Joe Budden in the triangle offense with him, Fab, and Paul Kane. And you're like, yo, he can also freestyle. So his freestyle capability, the depth in his lyrics, and I just appreciate someone being completely open. He is an open book. He doesn't that, hide anything. Hasn't that come along more in his recent career? And honestly, in all honesty, I'm not too familiar outside of Budden if I, uh, his debut single, Turn It Up or whatever, yeah. back in the early millennium, and then obviously Slaughterhouse. And occasionally when he drops stuff, I'll take a listen. But to me, it's un it's a lot of it's uninspiring. I probably haven't heard half those mixtapes you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, to to me, he's been introspective from the start. Okay. And on his debut album, people hear Fire and Pump It Up. But there's 10 minutes. Yeah. It's a song on there. And he starts the song by smoking a cigarette. And he's like, yo, I'm going to smoke this cigarette to the end, to the filter. And it's going to take me 10 minutes. And I'm going to rhyme the whole time. And he does it. And he just tells you about everything in his life. His baby mama, his kid, the girls he was with. He was with, like, some stupid model back then. Okay. And, like, just everything. Everything's an open book. People are like, yo, you know, he hit this woman. He's done this. He does this drugs. Yes. And it's stupid now because people watch, like, Couples Therapy and Loving Hip Hop. Like, yo, I didn't know this about Joe Bunny. He's a horrible person. Like, yo, if you listen to his music, he's not revealing anything new. 
everything he's ever done since he broke in in 2000 has been on Yo, a wait, track. Are you saying that Joe Budden's on a show that he's on Love and Hip Hop? He is. Oh, my God. And on Couples Therapy. So you're, oh, fuck me. And so that's what I'm saying. On. If I you separate that, uh, the hmm. person from the music, see, I don't his even music know this. is top three. This, this dude's, you're putting your top three MCs a reality TV show star? Correct. Fuck. I mean. Yo, I, it, it makes you feel a certain way. Like, the guy is a complete open book, and I don't think anyone ever has been as good as him in hip-hop of bearing their soul. And he, he hides nothing. Everything is on the table. But don't people have to listen for that to be relevant? Yeah, I'm, I'm one of the people that listen and appreciate well, I know it. I'm going do, to see his concert well, next week in LA. I know, and a lot of people, <laughs> I mean, he's he's got a history. He's been around for what, like 15 years? Yeah, and there's just, a reason for it, that. I, I, but I just, you never hear... No, you hear about he, the stupidness he does. Well, no, I just he just never gets brought up, and he's never inspired me in that way. Like I've never heard Joe Budden spit and been like, "Dude, that's a, a great all time MC." Yeah, man, I'm he's just number three on my list. That's incredible. That's incredible. See, this is interesting because, and I don't mean this uh, snarky or anything like that. Now, and you did, you know what you did this before we started the show. I was kind of salty on the game on you saying that about the game over to Pimp a Butterfly, and I've been off to the. I mean, I think I. Listen, the game when he debuted, but to me, it'd fallen off the way of like 50 cents and job rules, like kind exactly. of irrelevancy. And now you kind of sold me on these new two releases that he did. So and you're selling me on Joe Budden. Now I'm thinking maybe I because you're 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 staunch about this. You know, yeah. you're dead set. You're like, this dude's dope. So now I'm like, OK, well, yeah, man. Um, I mean, if you listen to Slaughterhouse stuff, too, there he speaks about everything it's well, kind of uncomfortable and that's where may, I, maybe i think the whackness comes through yeah he doesn't get to be him <laughs> well i don't know what that means like that never stopped a good mc from being a good mc like he didn't get to be him what the fuck what does that mean well if you listen to joe budden songs um not to get like too far off subject but um good <laughs> if you listen to joe budden songs he doesn't do 16s okay. and he'll say that in every interview like don't put him in a box i mean even on this last album that just came out, he has great songs. There's seven-minute songs. There's no hook. He is spitting for seven minutes straight. He is telling you everything he wants to tell you. That's Joe Budden. That's the core of Joe Budden. Black Cloud, um, Dear Diary. I could go on and on with the songs where he spits for eight minutes straight hmm. and just tells you everything going on in his life. Everything. Public service announcement. Sponsored by Kel Dan. <laughs> so, no, seriously, yeah, man. I mean, I'm going to go and check more Joe Budden out, yeah, I guess. It, it is legit. Moon Music Series. Damn I'd it, say, Kel. Uh, two, three, and four. They're just incredible. And, yeah, that's why he's number three on my list. So, number two. Number two. Number two for me is Guru from Gangstar. Um, bald Head Slick. Just <laughs> uh, the dopest voice, I think, in the history of the of the genre. Yeah. I just I think when he picked up a mic, unmistakable. I mean, there's a lot of great voices in hip hop. I mentioned Him, Method Man Chuck earlier. D. Chuck D. Absolutely, Karis, Jada, Juan, that. Biggie. I would never put Jada Kiss in there. Jada's voice is unique. I don't know how you put a guy. I, he falls into the Joe Budden category. Like, I, this is where we get into like I think that you're. I don't want to say you're too East Coast, but I don't want to say you're too much of a hip hop fan because that sounds stupid too. But like, you are very deep into the music. 
Yeah. Like you love hip hop. I don't just love hip I love good hip hop, but I would never really put Jada Kiss and, and Joe Budden in that category. I unless you're Jada unless you're knocking it out of the park every time like Lupe, J. Cole, and Kendrick, I got no time for you. Like yeah. I got I mean I got I listen to all sorts of music. I'm a big heavy metal fan. Uh I shit, I like pop music. I like everything. I like everything that sounds pleasing to the ear, even eight minute songs with no hook. It just depends on what it is, which you had me intrigued by Joe Budden. Um but yeah, the voice of, of Guru was unmistakable, but specifically like the later part of the career uh, and, and what Moment of Truth did for me personally. This is a personal list, right? Yeah. Right. Um, you know, Moment of Truth for me took me away from a lot of the, the whackness, just from a lot of the like a lot of the because I was listening to a lot of the like puff. I mean, I listened to I was raised on Snoop. And a lot of the early gangster rap stuff, because that's what was just was popular. But that was my first exposure to hip hop. Um, they're like West Side Connection and stuff like that. A little bit of Jay-Z, Puff Daddy and all that stuff. But, um, you know, Gangstar, Moment of Truth, that album specifically pointed me in the right direction. You know what I mean? Hearing guys like Freddie Fox, um, hearing guys like Solo, like, yeah, I listened to Wu-Tang, but Inspected Deck, I hadn't truly you know, listen to as a solo, all the stuff that was on that album with premieres production. It was just, uh, it was a masterpiece. You, and you asked me earlier, yeah, what makes Drake good? Yeah. He has that same type of aspect of, he's not on level of guru and premiere necessarily, but guru to me is at his best in Gangstar with premiere and everything. That combination is perfect, right? They fit perfectly. Drake has 40, who does his production. Right. And he picks, obviously other producers will make beats. Yeah. 40 picks the beats. They structure the songs together. They, he drops this, you know, this part of the beat at this section. He tells them how to flow here, do this with your chorus. Their chemistry is what has made Drake, Drake. Okay, that's fine. But without but, 40, he's, he's not that guy. But Guru is spitting shit. Like, I mean, he was talking about... And he's not on Guru's level. I'm just saying, right. that's, the, that's why Drake is popular, because he is part well, of I a know. tandem, and it's not mentioned. Well, I kind of figured why he's popular. I mean, he's pretty. He's really nice on the mic. He's got a great voice. I mean, he, he's able to do these things where I can see he's popular, but like real hip-hop heads back him. It's just like, dude, he's not doing anything with his... Uh, with the with his platform exactly with the attention that's on him and i just that's what i love about kendrick's what i love about other guys it's what i loved about lupe with the obama stuff i just i mean with great power comes great responsibility and when i see a dude who's like best known for like cursing athletes and taking a lint roller like you know courtside like i mean that's how i know drake like i got no interest in him because the dude isn't spitting anything that's relevant you're not improving the genre you're not talking to anyone of anything of note you're, not you're just out the culture you're just out there being dope which is fine but it's collecting checks but you're kind of soft you're not even like dope in the like in the mysterious way like an asap rocky but you know, i don't he's, know he's michael jordan i mean yes he's that some crazy shit to say he's that like, yo, it's all about the money. I'm not going to jeopardize my I'm not going to jeopardize my media image to say something off the wall. Jordan never commented on social mm. issues, all this stuff. It's all about the money. Now you look at Damn. you look at Kel, Kendrick. You know, I think you're crazy a lot of the time, but that's some real shit. Oh, well, you look at Kendrick, yeah. Kendrick's Charles Barkley. Yeah. I'm a star and I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna yeah. say whatever I want. Damn. That's that's what it is. It's really so interesting. Drake, Jordan, he's Charles Barkley. And I'm a diehard Bulls fan, right? 
but even even by the time like uh 93 rolled around i was still a kid i was 10 years old i was a huge charles fan i was the biggest charles barkley fan even when even back with the sixers <laughs> so when we played the Suns in 93, and I, being a diehard Bulls fan, it didn't matter. I was 10. I loved Charles. I loved Thunder, Dan Marley, KJ, that whole team. <laughs> loved that team. I cheered for the Phoenix Suns against the Chicago <laughs> Bulls, and I was legitimately upset with the, when the Suns lost. And, you, you know, it, it makes sense. I guess I, you know, certain, you know, I guess that's always been there. You like to see people. I always respected Charles when he said, I'm not a role model. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's right. We come to find out later, he was right, right. for but, a very number of reasons. But he didn't fake it. Like, no, everyone else shouldn't be either yeah. like jordan had a gambling problem I he's probably an alcoholic that, i love that stuff. comparison he didn't fake it i love that comparison so, drake is jordan no compromise get that money <laughs> yeah that's it that he's here for the check so damn uh, i like it number two was guru on your list number yep. two on my list by the way you mentioned someone you had struggles leaving off your list yeah. royce the five nine was that guy for me yeah so he'd be like six in my favorite mc's list a uh, friend of the podcast been on our show before um probably be on our show again because the kodo fight is coming huge up huge mma and boxing fan. yeah so uh, Royce was six on my list. I've, he's I, just consistently gotten better. I don't get how none of these guys have classic albums. What Joe but no, no one would know what Joe Bar Butt Exam, is. Bar Exam Two, Bar Dude, Exam No one knows three. those albums. I'm just it's saying. I mean, whatever. No one knows them. Well, I it's don't, no Illmatic. It's no Ready to Die. It's no fucking what are you straight out of Compton. To me, classic mixtapes. And I when I grew up, I know mixtapes were as big well. You're, as I will albums. say you're definitely speaking to a specific audience, and I do not want yeah. to discredit that because that is is definitely. A culture, a part of the culture, and honestly, that I need to admit that I wasn't that much a part of. My only experience with that mixtape culture is when I used to come to Vegas in like 98, 99 and go to the hiphopsite.com store and yeah. I get all sorts of different mixtapes and stuff. But then they you, had the vinyl and everything. You, exactly. But you were in the heart of the, of the whole culture. culture. So exactly. when I moved out so here. So that's an interesting perspective. When I moved out here for high school, yeah. I used to go to the hip hop site uh mm -hmm. joint because that's the only place where i could get my old, old moose mcgillicuddy plaza yeah. <laughs> that's so, crazy that that's... andres for those that don't know andreas hale used to work there did he yep yep and oh we, we always talk about that it's like this binding thing like i was coming to the store we didn't even know each other a little 15 year old big mac rolled in there buying dj revised mixtapes <laughs> oh my god yo that's crazy probably it all cross paths like right a decade and a half so ago. you had trouble leaving royce off um, for i, I guess much of the same you like him the same reasons you like joe exactly Mixtape um, monster and Exactly, but number two on my list is Lupe Fiasco. Ooh, I love it. You know, I Lupe, love that. Lupe's two on my list. He doesn't miss. Mm. I mean, mixtapes, albums, everything. To me, he is the most naturally gifted rapper mm. of all time. Mm. He'll <laughs> roll out of his sleep. You throw a beat on, and he will give you a gem. He doesn't have to write. When he does write, it is articulate. There is quadruple entendres. The man is a machine. <laughs> There's. I can listen to Lupe... Uh, Fahrenheit first and 15 mixtape that he dropped in 2004 and here's something new right now that I have to Google because I don't know it's historical relevance I probably, I, probably, I probably listened to Mural a hundred times and I hear something new each time <laughs> they got me like jumping on the counter like oh my god did you hear what he did with Yo, that kid I mean Lupe I, pens and needles yeah. off of that Fahrenheit first yeah. and 15 album is still one of my favorite songs to date and he doesn't let me down ever um, now, see, that's so as, that's an important quality. That's an important quality. I'm getting a rib tattoo here in a couple months for the listeners to know, uh, and I'm getting artwork from one of Lupe's album covers, actually on my rib. So it's going to be the chick, the streets from the cool. If you listen to the album, that character is going to be on my ribs. It's that that's how much I just like the music and the message, yeah. and it resonates with me. 
and he's number two on my list, man. Well, that, that guy never failed. And that dude's speaking to a uh, to a generation. The ears that are tuned. And they're in, scary. Well, like, he's scary. People are he's scared scary. of him. Well, he's scary. He's in the best, in the absolute best ways. Um, because I think, even this isn't a discredit to Kendrick, who I had at number four. Um, this dude's like a mortal technique. Lupe, I'm talking about. He is so well-schooled and so well-read that when you give him a platform, there isn't one hour, one minute, one second where he can't demolish you if you aren't on the side of logic and reason. The dude is a crusader. He, I'm, I'm in complete agreement. I'm glad you put him because I only got one more spot and it ain't going to Lupe, but I have no problem with you putting him at two because he's just, he's unbelievable. And like I said, the ears that are tuned into him, those are important ears because hopefully those are the ears that are going to shape our culture and our country for the next coming decades because... You know, you need that militant spirit. You need Hopefully he's not jaded. Well, I mean, he's become well, jaded, but not everyone. too jaded to stop producing music. Yeah, like Jon Stewart leaving The Daily Show. Or, and, and that's yeah. what happens. I mean, people fight a fight for decades, and they realize that you can't stop the machine, that there is no point in fighting, or at least I guess that's the, the realization they come to on some level. Or it just, you know, breaks them down so much that they have a little, a little episode or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But that's why I give so much respect to, like, the Chuck D's of the world. Guys that have stayed militant and stayed in your face and tried to use their platform for decades. For change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Lupe is a good, a great descendant of that. Who's your number one? My number one's Big L. My number oh. one's Big L. Um, and the entire, I mean, I'd love to put the entire Digging in the Crates crew in there. But uh, I, 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 I do admit, I unfortunately, a good number of my people on my list have passed. Um and that's not I'd like to think that's not why they're on the list. I'd like to think they're just on the list. I mean, it's my personal favorites, but I am a sucker for nostalgia on some level, like you're a sucker for the next mixtape culture or whatever. Definitely. I, I have to be honest about that. And the what ifs with a lot of these guys kills me. Uh, the what ifs with Biggie is the biggest because of his relevance and how important he was and what he could have done. Like I, if, if I always see Jimi Hendrix and Biggie, if they would have lived doing some dope shit in like, you know, 1998 or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, no, I put Big L in there. I mean, Big L's on that same. Platform, Big L, man. Big L. I mean, he was. I think he kind of continued that. If Nas was like hip hop of the '90s, you know, one point A or A A, a hip hop of the '90s, A he was hip hop of the '90s. B. I mean, one A and one B. Um, he just kind of carried that Illmatic, that dopeness, that just straight everything that encapsulated what's great about hip hop: the flash, the style, the knowledge, the ability. The virtuosity, just like everything that you want to see in an MC that dude had. And you want to talk about like he was right on the verge of blowing the fuck up when he right got there. killed yep. right there. He was the next. Superstar. And that's why you hear about Big L so much. You know what I mean? And I'm sure he would have disappointed me with an album or two like Jay-Z and Nas. Whatever leads their Uchiwali or Money Ain't a Thing. But I would have loved to have seen him have the chance. Exactly. So, and, you know uh, what? Listen, yeah. my thing is if Cameron blew up and had a run. Big L would have had a run for 10 years. Yeah, there you go. Cam just <laughs> took that, yo, I want to be flashy, I want to be Harlem, all yeah. that stuff, and ran with it. But that was Big L times a thousand. Big L, yeah, Big L was hard. He had better skills. Like, but he would have been Cameron was like, like a semi-soft mace. Like He was a, a little bit harder version of mace as far as I was concerned. Yeah. Like, I mean, he never but resonated with me. I but feel B like they wanted someone from Harlem, Yeah, and Big L was supposed to be that guy. Yeah. And he could have blew up and had that same mainstream kind of yeah. niche for a second. There's a great um, YouTube video. Listeners should, if, if, you get, if you get some time here in the next week or whatever, just put it on your to-do list. A Big L live performance. I want to say Norway. 
it's on YouTube. It's an entire set, but it's like 50 minutes long and it's really good quality. You should go back and listen to that. And you know what? Listen to OC. You know what I mean? Listen to the whole Diggin' in the Crates crew. This is, if you haven't heard of Diggin' in the Crates and Big L, they're not, he, Big L is not number one on my list for no reason. You know what I mean? I'm looking at my vinyl wall and everything from, you know what I mean, Nas to Wu-Tang to Sway and Tech compilations, even Big Pun, Capital Punishment, all this stuff. I mean, it's, it's all dope, but there was only one Big L. And he, he, he had that East Coast shit on lock too. It's weird because you're number one. And I'm okay with admitting this. My number one wouldn't be my number one if your number one didn't die. Yeah. And Jay-Z is my number one. Yeah. Hova is number one for me just because, I mean, reasonable doubt still resonates mm. with me. His What's flow that? pattern, his rhymes and stuff back then were so ill. And he was older than all these guys, older than Big, older than Big L, but got his break later. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, you know, he did the drug stuff and he tried to do other things and just had a late jump on things. Trying and to make good B-movies like Streets is Watching. <laughs> Yo, I love Streets <laughs> is Watching. Um, so, like, to me, first time I heard Jay-Z was on a Big L Hot 97 freestyle where he just, Jay went up there with Big L and his Big L spot. And it's then a Big famous L was freestyle, like, right? Yeah, like, yo, here goes my man Jay and he came on, jigging at A, jigging at Digger J, Digger A, Digger Y. Like he came in and it was just like, yo, who is this guy? And from there on, man, he had me hooked. And it's great to see the evolution of Jay Z. Um, even now, I, I think he's still consistent enough that he's relevant. And people say, oh, Jay Z's whack, he's falling off compared to his old self, maybe. Mm. But he's chasing himself. Yeah, I like his new shit a whole lot more than I like that little midlife crisis of the money and a thing. And even like uh, um, Big Pimpin'. I wasn't a fan of Big Pimpin'. Just that uh, whole, to me, that wasn't, like I said, there was a war going on at that time. Volume 1 wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, volume 2 was a little better. There you go. But at but, least you're on it. I was, I was yeah. good to a diehard Jay fan. I'm really no, interested no, how you took, nah, took it that. It wasn't for me. He, he hasn't had all... You know, swinging hits. He had some misses. I love his shit now, though. That but, high fashion Illuminati oh. rap, how he's playing into that. Like. From the <laughs> Dynasty, Rock La Familia, through Blueprint, through um, all, just through that whole time, through Black Album. That was great. That was a great run for Jay. And seeing and being in New York while he did it and having that run and being there every summer when he'd come through Hot 97 and shut stuff down. And it was just incredible. That's nostalgia. So maybe he's number one on my list also because nostalgia and just. Yeah. Man, I saw all that. I saw the stuff that can't be encapsulated on albums. I saw the impact of when he dropped a song and when Flex played it for an hour and a half. That's crazy. stupid bombs on it. That's crazy. And Angie Martinez had to shut hip, uh, Hot 97 down. Her three-hour show became a seven-hour show because Jay-Z went up there in flip-flops and a do-rag and said, I'm taking over the station. I'm not leaving. <laughs> and they said, okay, Jay, do what you want. So I see the impact of these things, and that's what makes Jay the number one person on my list. Well, you can put him there on career longevity. Yeah. No one has stayed doper and had more relevancy and been, you know, at the top of the game longer than Jay-Z. Yeah, everyone we mentioned, I don't care. I mean, no one knew. No one knows about Guru. No one knows about Big L. No one knows about Joe Budden or Jada Kiss. I'm talking overall on a larger hip-hop scale. Everybody knows, knows about Jay Z. Every single person. Every single person. He, you want to talk about the Michael Jordan rap? That dude's the Michael Jordan rap. He's expanding into other brands and just. I mean, he's the true mogul. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's uh, he he's been real smart with it. He's the 
he's the new American dream. Yeah, and look at how Puff Daddy fall, fallen off. Puff Daddy's out there beating up UCLA bench coaches and like just doing crazy shit. Like, Listen, I mean, if, if Puff fell off, I'm okay with that. I, I mean, I'd take a Puff fall off. Yeah, I mean, we'd all, t- <laughs> we'd all take a Puff fall off. That's not my point. I mean, he was on the top of the game, like I mean, yeah. for a long period, but you know, he's not, he's nowhere near the top of the game now. You know, and that's what's great about Jay. What's interesting though is that you come on the show. You preface this with, oh, I don't like list, but you come on our show that has a lot of lists, by the way. Yeah. This week. And um, I love it. I, you know, it's funny, and I love ranking stuff. I just don't like doing it in public. I think <laughs> it's, like I said, it's a disservice to the art. You know, we sit in the living room, I'll rank shit all the, oh, this is the best, this is the best barbecue I've ever had. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm all about hyperbole, man. You know, hit up Marcus Vanderberg over at Yahoo Sports. He, he's on hyperbole patrol with me. I mean, I'm I'm a fan of discussion. I just, like I said, not in public, man. I don't, I you know. Private, kill, die, just to make a living.